Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 88 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I am your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-hosts from the East Coast are up to this week. First up, Dave the Alcadron Vader. How's it going? You ready for Chicago? I am close to being ready for Chicago. I've packed clothes. (laughs) You've had ice cream cake. I've had ice cream cake. I've packed clothes. Uh, So far, so good. I yep, still my I have plane not packed clothes yet. It is we are recording this on Wednesday night. My plane leaves tomorrow. I need to be out the door at 9 a.m. tomorrow. So That's uh, exciting. I got tons of time to pack <laughs> everything else. Yeah. A little more than 12 hours. Seems like plenty of time. All right. Next up is our resident PDH PhD Liam. Welcome back to the show. How about you? Are you ready for Chicago? Uh, I too am fully packed and have yeah. everything I I need for Chicago. Definitely don't don't worry about it. Uh, <laughs> don't worry about don't it. Worry don't worry about, about it, it at all. I will have a full day of work tomorrow, and will promptly be going to bed because I have to be out of the house by three a.m. on Friday. So, Ooh. yeah. I'm, Sorry, are you also flying? Or are you a.m. Uh huh. Yeah, that's... is it 3 a.m. now? <laughs> yeah. Are you uh, also no flying? Or are you guys driving? Uh, I'm flying. Nice. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. Decisions were made. Slight regret nice. on those decisions, but but decisions were made. Uh, <laughs> decisions I, have been made. Yep. I will be landing in Chicago about an hour before the con opens. Uh, so yeah. So. That's cool. Yeah, well, cool. <laughs> I'm. I'm. I'm honestly really excited to be getting there on Thursday, just because. Uh, that is super cool. Like the the pals are also getting there on Thursday, so I'm going to get to spend all you know Thursday afternoon, Thursday night hanging out with the pals, and yep. then and then my my family's arriving uh, yeah. Thursday night, so I'll get to spend some time with them and just have a nice you know relaxing social evening mm-hmm. before waking up. In Chicago on Friday, ready to get to the car. <laughs> yeah, let the let yeah. the battery sort of I, like fill up to the max. I yeah. wanted to do a full day of work on Thursday and then catch a flight, but the the options were not really conducive to that. I could get a sure, I yeah. could get a reasonably priced flight if I left if if I if my if the flight was like in the early afternoon on Thursday, which would mean I'd have to leave work at a half day. Oh, I I'm because on if February I f- vacation. I have all ah, see, there you go. Yeah, so so go. so if I like if I flew out Thursday night, it was approximately double the price than if I flew out super early Friday morning. And I was like, oh, oh, what's wow. the difference that six hours makes? It'll be okay. Yeah. So uh, I'll do a full day. Yeah, I'll do a full day of work. I will promptly go to bed, uh, wake up, catch a flight, and yeah, I'll I'll be pulling a twenty-one hour day on day one in Chicago. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's how you kick off a weekend. That's how you kick off a fun, relaxing weekend, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, all right, sweet. It is destined to be a fantastic time. But let's do a little bit of housekeeping before we move on to the main topic. If you like the show and you like what we're doing here, consider supporting us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash thepdhpod. A uh, new patron shout out here for Trinket Major. Welcome to the PDH Pod family. Thanks for your support. We uh, We all truly appreciate it. And by being a patron, just like Trinket Major, you get access to the pre-show, which is usually uh, about an hour or so of us catching up every week and talking about show notes, going over ideas, talking about the show, the upcoming show, talking about kind of whatever is happening. And uh, I post that directly to Patreon, so you guys get that too. A little bit of bonus episode, bonus audio every week. And then you also get uh, access to the show notes. I post those live along with the episode early, usually like Thursday nights before they go out into the uh public airwaves on Friday morning. And then also as a patron, you get access to the, to our discord server where you can chat with the crew. Uh, you get help with your decks, talk about spoilers and you get the daily buck report from Brownie along with beef jerky updates. Apparently that's a thing now. So I uh, look forward to that. And then if uh, also, if you want to leave us a little voice message or question, compliment, concern, that sort of thing, you can find us over on speakpipe.com slash the PDH pod. You got about 90 seconds to record whatever you want to say. And, uh, I don't know. Depending on what it is, maybe we'll play it on the show. And then lastly, check out our YouTube and our Twitch channels. We're the PDH Pod on both of those platforms. And the latter is where I uh, stream Spelltable Pauper Commander every Saturday evening, starting at about 5 p.m. Central Standard Time. So uh, check those out, and I think that cleans that house pretty well. Liam, welcome back. What do you got for this week in Magic? Uh, this week in Magic has uh, got a couple of different things, and... I apologize if if I'm a little fuzzy. I forgot to record last week, so I <laughs> am not quite sure what was this past week and what was two weeks ago. But yeah. there are currently, I believe, secret layers to be had. Uh, you can go over to the website and purchase those. There is a special, uh, I don't know what to call it, a special edition secret layer to celebrate Sheldon Menory. That mm-hmm. will be going on sale yep. at some point towards the end of the month it will yeah be we did we did mention that one last week but there wasn't really any details because they were streaming the yeah. reveal of it basically on the uh edh or commander rc twitch which was like the day after we recorded so yeah. we mentioned it but we didn't have any details really it is a February 7 26 card... is when that one goes becomes available yeah for like a month yeah it is a, a seven demand, card so. secret layer including teferi's protection soul ring ruhan of the Fomori. Eladamri's Vineyard, Command Tower, Ink Shield, and an Italian Greater Good. Yeah. Bene Supremo. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. I wasn't going to try to butcher that in Italian, but I'm, <laughs> I'm glad that you seem I'm to do a pretty good to job at it. I'm prepared to butcher it. Yeah, so it's a seven-card secret layer celebrating uh, Sheldon Mannery, and it will be time-boxed and printed to demand. So basically, it will be available for a full month, and they will wait to print it until sales have concluded and they have an exact number. Yep. Which goes against exactly everything they said Secret Layers weren't going to be doing going forward. But I'm glad they clarified that one week after they announced that. It's great. <laughs> God, gotta love Wizards and their timing on some things. Past Secret Layers, Fallout, Universes Beyond Spoilers, have begun. They started uh, yesterday for us, three days ago for you. They conclude two days from now, or today for you. Yeah, look at that. Uh, so ideally, all of the deck lists will be out when you're hearing this, probably, maybe. Yep. As, as you're walking into the convention to come hang out with us. Right. There might be like be a couple spoiled. of cards or like a list that still needs to get posted somewhere. But like it should be, yep. for the most part, spoiled. Uh, more on that in two weeks. Yeah. And then... Yeah. 
there was some CEDH discourse that made its way <laughs> to the CPDH servers. I'm not going to get too much into it because, A, I'm not super versed in, in too terribly much on what was going on, but I, I, I know the gist. And B, um, just don't, like, be better, I guess. <laughs> but that's so the, my what, two yeah. cents. What's fascinating is that, like, this discourse really gets at the heart of what it means to be better. Like, should people get better at playing to win by being really comfortable lying about things? Or should people be better humans by choosing not to lie over a silly game? They should like, be that's... ethically and morally better. So you're you're very firmly in camp too. I yes. Got it. And that, like, and I... that's fair and I respect that. But I mean like the discourse exists because not everyone is in that camp. Yeah. And cool. like yeah. I think if if that's the direction that CEDH is going, like if those are the lines that people are willing to cross for a game win, that makes me not want to hang out with those people. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's the direction that PDH is going. I think that one of the I think that one of the really beautiful things about the PEDH community and and even the the the, the competitive PEDH community we have is that it is very much a community. Like there are there are not so many of us that anyone is faceless. Like everyone, Correct. we we Correct. all know yep. each other. Like we all we all work together constantly. We we see the same people in the same tournaments over and over again, and we love that about the community. We love that about each other. Like we love building those relationships and those communities. This maneuver where like you lie about whether or not you have the win in order to affect people's responses. And then you have the win anyway, and you do it like that comes at the price of your reputation. Yes, and like, exactly. I yep. think I think you could get away with that once in this community, and I think after that, any time you showed up in any competitive game, people would be just beat you to death. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> like, there's no there's no coming back from that. Mm -mm, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. And that's what a lot of the uh, the people that were replying and commenting and reposting the situation said. Like, sure, it was competitive. Sure, there were prizes on the line. But, like, that's your entire reputation now. Like, what are you yeah. going to do? <laughs> was it worth it? I don't know. Uh, I hope it was. No, I, I think that it certainly was not. Uh, no, I, I, I couldn't imagine that it was. But I hope to them no, that it was. I I can't see how it was worth it yeah like yeah maybe you get lucky and you get a pod where like two people don't know who you are but one person does and they try to convince the other two but like if you do get to pull it off a second time like that's it like right i just uh <sighs> good old discourse all right well thanks for that liam thanks for the catch-up we missed you last week i don't know if you listened to the episode but dave and i kind of stumbled through this week in magic it was a good one though but um it was awkward i didn't realize how much actual like research goes into it this week in magic i still don't yeah I, it's, it, it astounds me yeah <laughs> it's i don't know that it's research so much it is just trying really well, hard to remember what happened and what i scrolled on twitter that week <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's not even that. It's I I spent probably half of the pre-show like trying to find information on this Sheldon Minery secret lair. Like I don't know how you navigate wizards websites and accounts and all that stuff, but I I just about gave up. <laughs> I had to like find the information on articles from various game stores. Sure. <laughs> uh, anywho, uh, let's move on to the main topic here. This week, we are continuing with what turned out to be a multi-episode topic with our trip through the best and the worst two-color uncommon draft signposts throughout the history of magic and perpetuity throughout the universe. I think we're just going to hop right into the topic, so let's get the juice meter fired up patent pending on that i think dave is set to kick us off with some signposts from uh 2019 is that correct what do you got yeah we're picking up right where we left off in the last episode awesome. uh with throne of eldraine mm-hmm. um which was by by most metrics extremely full of juice Yes. <laughs> uh, throne of eldraine was very cool in that it gave us two full cycles of two color uncommons. There was mm-hmm. one entire cycle where every single card is a four drop that's made out of four hybrid mana symbols. So the yep. I think the the most remarkable of these I think is the Simic one called Thunderous Snapper. Oh, that's uh, one of my favorite decks to play. It's so good. So uh, good. Blake has a deck <laughs> built for this. Uh, and yeah, the mana cost is th- there's four pips and each pip is either green or blue. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that, that'll get you a 4-4 a Turtle Hydra with whenever you cast a spell with CMC 5 or greater, draw a card. Yep. So we have an entire cycle of those, of these hybrid 4-drops. And of that cycle of 10, 9 of those 10 are creatures. Mm-hmm. And uh, many of them are playable. I've seen decks for a lot of these. Thunder Snapper, Okame Ranger. Yeah, Okame, notably, is the only one. Yeah, yeah, the only one with an adventure. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I have an Okame Ranger deck. I think it's really fun. It is for me. It's a really, really interesting take on the go wide strategy because she has that tap creatures you control get plus one plus one until end of turn ability mm-hmm. that just pairs really well with like Gleam of Resistance. Sure, it just gives your whole board plus one plus two and untaps all your creatures and you can <laughs> just do it again. Yeah, I think Okame Ranger is great. Um, Loke Dragon is part of the same cycle. Uh, hopefully you recognize that from a 4x4 episode we did with Scarecrow. Yeah, Mr. Scarecrow. About, uh, you know, discard strategies and using your graveyard for things. And then there's a handful of those that are knights, some of the, some of which are pretty playable. I've seen decks for a handful of these. And then we got a, a second entire cycle of 10 with that are just straight-up regular gold cards. Yep. Like Wintermore Commander costs a white man and a black mana. Uh, for a two power star toughness death toucher, toughness equal to the number of knights you control, and it gives knights indestructible. Some of the seven of this second cycle are creatures. Three of them were spells, they're not legal commanders. But uh, <laughs> this is the second cycle is what gave us Grum Gully the Generous. Yeah, legendary. Yep. Yeah. Legendary, literary, literal. Yeah. So, uh, Eldrain, I am giving a solid, respectable ten out of sixteen on the juice meter. It's earned it. There's some yeah. good stuff here. Yeah. And there's some like, I mean, 
you quote unquote unplayable stuff, but like the stuff that's here that's good is like like you said about the ranger. Like it's just super fun. Like it's a very interesting yeah. take on different builds. They're not super uh, linear in any sort of way. Like the snapper, I've seen built two or three different ways. Like it's just a cool yeah. cool way to go about you know different creative strategies. I guess. Yeah, I've seen I've seen a handful of these decks get built, and all of them are very interesting. Like none of them are like game warping right like none of these are gonna change the competitive scene uh i mean except maybe grum gully grum gully does enable persist combos in a pretty aggressive way <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah true, true. like a lot of them are just interesting like yeah, if you want to fun. be playing a black white knights deck wintermore commander is a great knights commander mm -hmm. so yeah very cool stuff you can do with these guys yeah yeah good set overall for our little format here yeah Ooh. Uh, looks like I'm next. I get two sets in a row. So let's start off with the set that came right before Throne of Eldraine. And that was Corset 20, M20 as it's otherwise known. This one is, this one gave us some really, I think anyway, some really interesting commanders. They are very Corset-ish. you know, -ish. They're very, um, some of them are very linear, very obvious things that you're supposed to do, not they're not as wide open, I don't think, or as interesting as Throne of Eldraine, but that's kind of like what core sets give you anyway. You know, sort of the stripped-down version of Magic, but with some super spice thrown in. Like, um, Tomebound Lich, we'll just start off here. I've always thought it was an interesting card. Death Touch, Life Link, you know, you can rummage or what have you. It's fine. It doesn't really do much. You know, we have better options in Demir. Uh, Sky Knight Vanguard is the Boros 1-2 for a white and a red. Flying makes a soldier when it attacks. Like... It's cool. Those things are very, like, that's a very Boros ability. But we just have handfuls of Boros commanders that are better. You know, like, I can't see building a whole deck around these particular cards. Now, the next one, though, the Simic one, you might know, it's a little elemental called Risen Reef. Well, this one... I have heard of that one. Yeah, this one's very popular. I love my Risen Reef deck. It topped four the RIW event last year in Detroit. It is... Hmm. It is extremely linear. Like it tells you what you need to be doing in the text box. But but those things are so much fun. <laughs> I've never had so much fun being so linear with any particular deck in my life. It's great. Uh, super fun deck to play. Uh, Ogre Siegebreaker. We we mentioned this about other commanders in the pre-show, but I've never seen anyone talk about this. I've never seen a deck built around it. Like, it just doesn't yeah. seem to be one that people bring up. I don't know if I just missed something, but... Um, it's extremely mundane. Yeah, very mundane, especially for Rakdos. Like, 4-mana four 4-3 four, that does kind of something. Yeah, uh, It has a 4-mana activated ability that we get printed on cards for a single mana nowadays. You know, granted, it's not a tap ability. You can do it whenever, however much you want, but... Uh, Lightning Stormkin, 2-mana two 2-2 two, two, flying, is it with haste? Uh, no prowess, no plus one, plus one counters, no uh, anything like that. Just straight up 2-2 flyer with haste. Fine. Uh, feels like a common nowadays. Um, Iron Root Warlord. Honestly, I kind of forgot this one existed, but it's fine. Selesnia Commander. Power equal to the number of creatures you control, and you can pay a bunch of mana to make another token, make a creature. Fine. Uh, kind of linear, tells you what you want to do. Uh, Empyrean Eagle. This is one I've looked at 
on and off for a while. It's a 2-3. I like it because it's an Azorius bird. That's cool. An Azorius bird spirit, as a matter of fact. And it's got flying. Other creatures you control with flying get plus one, plus one. Not, not breaking the format. But I like playing bird decks. Like So maybe I'll build something with this and it will literally be exactly what it sounds like. Just flying creatures and battle screeches and you just go from there. Uh, another one that seems... I actually have seen decks for this, never played against them, just seen them online, is Creeping Trailblazer. This is like as linear tribal as linear tribal gets. It's just, it's two mana, it's Gruel for a 2-2, other elementals you control get plus one, plus oh, and then you can make Creeping Trailblazer get plus one, plus one for the number of elementals you control. So... Literally spells it out right there for you. And, and we do have a decent amount of semi-interesting um, elemental creatures in red and green. So there could be something there, but I've just never tried it. I've never seen it played. I think it's just one of those decks that people like theorize, you know, they'll put it on Moxfield, they'll put it online, and then they look at it and they're like, oh, well, I'm done with that, I guess. I've, I've done that plenty of times. And then finally, I think... If Risen Reef was not in M20, I think this would be my favorite commander. And that's Corpse Knight. This one does work. It still sees play. I still see it every now and then. I still see people talking about it. Like, you know, we've, we have that new vampire from Murders at Markov Manor that got compared to this. Like, this is a card that has set a certain standard in the various Orzov communities, if you will. The various Orzov decks. Uh, it's black and a white for a 2-2. When another creature enters the battlefield under your control, each opponent loses one life. Extremely linear, to an extent. Like, you can still take it in different directions. It's not saying tokens. It's not saying, you know, a specific thing about the creatures. It just wants you to cast creatures or have creatures enter the battlefield. Uh, but it's cheap, and it's Orzov, and you can get this thing rolling, like, as soon as turn two or three. Like, it's totally good. It's very powerful. And it ends up actually doing a lot of work. Uh, I've lost to it before. I've seen it take out people before. I don't know that I've seen it win a game, but it will <laughs> severely do some damage to the entire table. What do you think, Dave or Liam? Did I miss anything on uh, M20? Give me input. I, I, I yeah, I've seen ahead. Corpse Knight win many games. Nice. Brent of the Palace has a Corpse Knight deck, and it mm -hmm. just routinely trounces everyone because it gets out of hand, and you're just in this like. You know, normally in a game when you get on low life, you're like, oh, I need to start playing defensively so I can block. And, like, Brent's Corpse Knight deck is like, I, there's no stopping this. Like, yeah, what are you going to do? Next block. turn I'm going to Go put four creatures into play and you're going to die. No, <laughs> nothing you can do to stop that. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention that Skynart Vanguard, there's a, there's a guy, one of the people in charge of Pauper Dual Commander. Okay. Whose name might be... Danny? No, Danny's the dinosaur. Is it Alec? Hold on, let me let me try to find this guy's. No, oh wait, hold on. Am I not in that Discord anymore? Okay, I've been apparently kicked out of the Discord where. Oh. Get to see that person's name. Uncool. What did you do? Yeah, I. Uh, who knows? <laughs> um. Anyway. Uh, as soon as I find this guy's name, it'll come back to me. Um, but yeah, there's there's a guy who plays uh, Skynet Vanguard. He played it competitively in multiplayer tournaments for a while, and he actually crushed me with it once, and it was very upsetting. Really, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. So like, what I was, we were playing a game, and I was on Bird Horse, and I I had a very explosive Bird Horse turn where I was able to um, 
I cast Flaming Fist and I killed the other two players and he mm-hmm. he just had this vanguard and I was like I I was able to like people tried to kill the bird and the horse and I had the I had the interaction to protect them so that the two other players died. Right. And I was like I can survive a basic attack and I have the mana up for like a counter spell. <laughs> and so we played the he played the buff to to come to swing for a lethal and I counterspelled it and then he was like, Oh that's okay. I also have Ramosian Rally. Oh no. <laughs> and if if he'd had any other buff, like anything that wasn't free, I was golden. But he came up with a Ramosian rally and hit me for exact damage and I died. And oh. I was like, dang. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So uh one. yeah, no, I've I've seen Skynet Vanguard win a competitive game against me on Bird Horse. So uh yeah, it it does things. Oh, that's pretty dope. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Uh, overall, I think we the uh, juiceometer juicometer ended up with about a four out of nine total for for M twenty, which I think is fine for a core set. You don't expect those kind of sets to be uh, bangers up and down the whole the whole ladder. What about you, Liam? You like the core set? You like this uh, this cycle? Uh, the core set was fine. It's nothing in here I've ever experimented with. Yeah, I haven't brewed around too many of them. Obviously, I play Risen Reef a lot. I love Corpse Knight. I just the other ones. Like, it's almost like you want to take two of these creatures and make them one. Yeah. You know, like, or half of one rules text and put it on the other card just to bump them up a little bit. But overall, they're pretty fun. Let's move on to what came out roughly or about the same time as M20. And that's the very first Modern Horizons uh, Trailblazer, if you will, in in the supplementary set field. Definitely uh, shook up the modern format and still continues to uh, shake up multiple formats. Heck, a lot of cards got banned in 60-card pauper from this set as well. So uh, let's start here. Let me scroll down a little bit. First up, we got Is It with Thundering Jin. Uh, it's a flying. Whenever it attacks, it deals damage equal to the number of cards you've drawn this turn to any target. Fine. Uh, it's another one that I feel like gets brewed around a lot and then... Never really goes anywhere. I, I haven't seen it at a table, but I'm sure it's it's definitely playable somewhere. Uh, Soul Herder, very powerful commander, very fun commander if you're into that sort of like Azorius Blink type deck. Um, I don't know, it's just super powerful. There's not really much else to say. This is one of the um, first decks I ever played against in Pauper Commander, and I still played against it to like just recently. So... <clears throat> It's a very good one. It's a very strong one. Uh, next is Ruination Rioter with just a Gruel 2-2. When it dies, you can have it deal its damage to deal damage to any target equal to the number of lands in your graveyard. Uh, yeah, needless to say, I've never seen this one at a table. Have you, Dave or Liam? Which like, one? That, that doesn't... Uh, the Rioter, Ruination Rioter, that deals damage. Yeah, I've, I've been, don't the I've been killed one? by this guy a couple times. Really? Don't the pals have uh, one? Do they? I think the pals do have a Ruination Rioter deck, and uh, so I, there was a guy I played with a lot uh, a while ago that built this deck before the Commander Death rules change, mm-hmm. where like using it over and over again meant that you had to let it go to the graveyard and stay in the graveyard, and then you had to find some green sort of like revive. Yeah. To get mm-hmm. it back out of the graveyard so you can cast it again. And, and like even jumping through all those extra hoops to get this ability, he built a deck with it that was just like catastrophic. Like really? Sacrifice Ruination Rider, Dome you for seventeen. 
Yeah, just I mean, a combination of the, like the fetch lands and like self mill. Yeah, self I guess we do have like a ton of fetch deck. lands now too. And like just things that let you loot. Like there's so much red looting. He was you know draw, draw and discard four times a turn, just pitch lands in your graveyard nonstop, and then sacrifice ruination rider to kill someone. So it's like, almost like a like a gruel version of of jury, almost. Yeah. Like you can build it up pretty much at will to however big you want it or need it. Well, the big difference is that when you recast Jury, you start over. Correct. When you that recast is, true. Like the lands, the lands stay in your graveyard when you recast Formation <laughs> Rider. Huh. Yeah, I guess I just didn't really... I don't know. I, I love playing mill decks. I love manipulating my graveyard. I just never really thought about this one very much. Maybe I'm too like hooked on like Golgari, you know, graveyard shenanigans i may have to give this one another look uh next up is one of the first decks that scarecrow actually turned me on to in the format and that's rot widow pack the uh two four spider for four mana that makes a spider and then drains each opponent for the number of spiders you control like that's super fun it ends up getting a little uh repetitive a little stale after a few plays uh, but it's totally cool i love spiders as commanders and i've been looking at those more and more often uh, munitions Experts, a two-mana goblin, Rakdos Goblin for one. It's a 1-1, one, one, you have Flash, when it enters the battlefield, you can have it deal damage to target creature or planeswalker, equal to the number of goblins you control. I think that was at Detroit 2 in the tournament. I don't know how well it did, I'd have to look that up. Um, but it's a deck that I've seen before, I think people have fun with Rakdos Goblins, and it's an enter enters the battlefield ability. Totally fun, totally fine there. Someone brought that one to R.I.W., Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't remember where it finished, but I remember seeing it there. Yeah. Uh, and then we have a Boros uh, Sliver, Tutu Lava Belly Sliver. Uh, I don't know that I've seen this. Most of the Slivers decks you'll see are five colors just to get, you know, everything, the good lords and everything else. Uh, Ingenious Infiltrator is the four mana Vidalkin Ninja. It's a 2 3 Ninjutsus for uh, blue and a black. And whenever a ninja you control, Deals combat damage to a player. Draw a card. Fine. Um, literally never played against it. I've never seen it built in paper. Uh, but it's one of those that you'll find online kind of all over the place. Because people love brewing around ninjas. So, I don't know. What about you, Liam? Do you like the ninja? Uh, the ninja's fine. It was a bit of a headliner in my Eureka deck back when I had that in uh, CEDH. But oh, sure, 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 sure. No, I, I, I never built that in PDH. Uh, the only one of these that I've built in PDH was the Rot Widow pack, and even then, it wasn't it wasn't for me. It was uh, uh, for a friend. Like mm -hmm. I, I basically stole Scarecrow's list, made a couple of small edits that I know the friend friend would prefer, and then just gifted it. So yeah, that's the only one of these yeah, yeah, yeah. I've ever built. What about you, Dave? You fan of the Demir Ninjas? I am. So one of my friends has this deck built, and we have house-ruled that you can ninjutsu from the command zone if you treat it as a cast, by which I mean uh, it tax. costs and accumulates commander tax. I love it. And we found that that's a, a super balanced way to like enable this ability from the command zone. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it lets you have more fun with the card without being like broken or overwhelming. Right. And uh, yeah, no, his his... His ninja deck is fantastic. It's super fun to play. It's fun to play against. I like the Infiltrator a lot. Yeah, that's pretty dope. I may have to look into that. I played a lot of the uh, Demir 
fairy ninja builds and 60 card popper and they're mm-hmm. always fun they're always just value upon value so i may have to look into that one a little bit uh we got two more left we got good fortune unicorn which is like a fan favorite kind of like i see this deck all over the place i don't know that i've actually played with it or played against it um but a lot of people brew around it a lot of people have it built this is one that bdm played up in detroit uh kind of at the last minute he was dragged into into the tournament and he played this one and then finally we have the abominable tree folk the four mana star star with trample power and toughness equal to the number of snow permanents you control. And then it has some extra tap abilities, um, freeze stuff, basically, you know, as far as the power level as a whole of the first modern horizon set, like it was crazy good. It has had cards banned in like every format. They're still making waves. They're still showing up in decks. I still play a, a very high percentage of the commons in a lot of my decks but ever since i took rot widow apart i don't have a modern horizons commander do you dave oh wow yeah Uh, i don't don't have a single one i actually also don't i i had a rot widow deck and i took it apart and i so like uh, blake has a soul herder deck my friend Rob has an infiltrator deck. I and feel Blake like also that has was a good fortune unicorn deck. So I, I feel think... like Blake was on the stream, and that was the first Soul Herder deck I played against. I really feel like it was Blake's. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, so like I, I have access to a handful of these decks, and I think they're all like I, I could play. You know, this, I could pick up Soul Herder. I could pick up the unicorn. Uh, so I never built them myself, and I like I love them. I, I actually know people who have built eight out of the nine of these holy cow okay yeah like scarecrow has the gin blake has soul herder uh the guy i'm gonna uh, <laughs> his name is his name is gone but i you know i've i've died to ruination rider uh i used to have rot widow pack built uh i've saw munitions expert at rw lava belly sliver is the only one that i think no one has built yeah. Uh, my friend Rob does Ingenious Infiltrator, Blake does Good Fortune Unicorn, and uh, one of the pals has Abominable Tree Folk built. So yeah, just like eight out of nine of these are super playable. They're so playable that I've seen the decks for them go off several times. Sure. No, that's totally fair. Yeah, it, it kind of, and I didn't even really make that connection until we started started the actual episode tonight that I don't have any Modern Horizons commanders built since I took apart I... the Rot Widow pack. I didn't realize that until you said it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I also took apart Rot Widow Pack. Yeah. Which is, you know, if you've never played Rot Widow Pack, I really feel like you should because it, it is super fun. Like the first two or three games, you're just, it's very unassuming until you drain the table repeatedly for six and eight and then nine. Like it just gets really out of hand and it's super fun. So, yeah. Uh, but I think that's it. I think we're going to move back over to a Mr. Dave. What do you got? I am going to tell you about War of the Spark, which had a couple of cards that are just absolute juice, juice. fountains. Oh, Modern Horizons was an 8 out of 9 on the juice meter Very juicy. 8 Very out juicy. of 9 on the juice meter Almost a perfect 9 out of 9, but Almost. no one likes Lava Belly Cylinder. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, War of the Spark has some really incredible juicers uh our favorite unicycling clown (laughs) mayhem devil (laughs) comes from war of the spark uh 10th district legionnaire aka maliva comes from war of the spark 
Yep. Uh, she's a two mana, two, two with haste and heroic. Every time you cast a spell that targets her, she gets a plus one, plus one counter and you scry one. Scarecrow has this deck built. It has killed me many times. <laughs> um, I can totally see that. Yeah, it just, it goes, however fast you think it goes, it goes faster than that, and then you're dead. <laughs> and you're like, by the time you realize you're going to die, you're like, oh, I have one chance to stop this. Uh, here's a go yep. for the throat. And Scarecrow's like, oh, well, here's my uh, born of, the, or what, God's anything. willing. Yeah, God's yeah, willing. Here's, here's my, here's my anything. Uh, yep. <laughs> counter go for the throat. And I'll scry one. So that next turn I'll I'll draw another protection spell and you're like oh <laughs> I'm in danger. Yep. Uh, yeah. She goes hard. What else from a cruel celebrant was in War of the Spark? She's okay. She's, She's a right. decent yeah. aristocrat's commander. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever she or another creature dies, each opponent loses a life and you gain a life. She's yeah. a she's gonna be a a blood artist one day when she grows up. Yep. Um. Yeah. Like almost. Yeah, everything. Oh, Merfolk Skydiver is the other one. Uh, infamous Fridge, if you're listening, I love you. It, Fridge built for me a Merfolk Skydiver deck mm -hmm. uh, for me to play with the pals. I left it with the pals because it, it was very pals flavored, but uh, I right. loved it. The two mana 1-1 one, one flyer in Simic colors. Uh, when she ETBs, you put a plus one plus one counter on anything you want. And then for five mana, you can proliferate. Yep, built in proliferate. Not bad. Yeah, just having that as like a sink for the end game where you can just be like, uh, all my stuff gets bigger. That does work. Yeah. That makes things mm -hmm. happen. Yep. So yeah, there's uh, I think there's four cards from War of the Spark that are deserving of a mention if we are not counting the Planeswalkers. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah many sure. of the Planeswalkers are super fun, super cool, super playable. I love them all. Yes. That's 100%. a different episode. Yep. Um. So yeah, uh, I I give War of the Spark a a solid four out of ten on yeah. the juice meter. I'm with you. I'm with you. Overall, up and down, like even the commons, like some of the cars are just super aggressive and just good, just solid. Yeah, yeah. It was a really fun set. It was it was a really really weird limited environment because everyone had three planeswalkers. <laughs> yeah, and you were yeah, like, I, what? I can imagine. What do I? What am I supposed to be attacking here? It was very right. confusing, but it was it was also very fun. I enjoyed it a lot. Yep. Like you whenever know, it, whenever a limited environment like tricks me, and like makes me really think about what I have to do, like that's a good limited environment. Yeah, when it gives you uh, puzzles to solve, basically. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. being outsmarted. Yeah, uh, and also had gleaming overseer. Like that's a cool Demir zombie commander. I always thought I think we have better uh, options, maybe, I, but it's cool. I get really irritated that. So, so Gleaming Overseer is a 3-mana 1-4. When it ETBs, you amass one. Amass zombies one. And then it has another ability, which is zombie tokens you control have Hexproof and Menace. Yeah. Which are great abilities, and I would love this commander. If it, if it gave that to all of your zombies, yeah. oh boy. If it gave that to all of your tokens amazing bring it on right Th that it only gives that to zombie tokens <laughs> like yeah that one word you're gonna one when word. you when you start to put this deck together you're gonna be like okay i'm gonna find every card that makes zombie tokens put it in the deck and then i'll see what room i have left and you're like oh there's eight cards that make zombie tokens oh uh, i guess yeah, i yeah. hmm 
Yeah, you pretty much I, just I don't narrated know. exactly how I tried to brew this deck. Yep. Yeah, no, that's exactly, that's everyone's <laughs> experience. Like, you read Gleaming Overseer, you get excited, you do the Scryfall search, and you're like, oh, there's there's eight of them. Mm. Yeah. There's nothing. That's a bummer. Yep. All, all right, I guess I'll find a different zombie commander. Yeah. Awesome. So close. Yep. So a solid 4 out of 10. Nice showing, War of the Spark. Good job. Uh, let's move. Is this in the show notes? Is this uh, designating that we're moving directly into the fire design era, Leon? Uh, this is designating that we're moving out of fire design. Out of fire design. Okay, fire, so from the bottom up. Okay, fire design officially started with War of the Spark. Perfect. So we're moving out of fire design into the previous design methodology, which is not fire. Not I guess. Fire. <laughs> uh, first with that is Ravnica... Pre-fire. 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 Uh, first up is Ravnica Allegiance, where you have three sets of uh, uh, draft signposts. Uh, the first one is the Guild Mage. Uh, so this is the Guild Mage cycle. So you've got... Uh, these are two mana creatures, uh, most of which are tutus. Some have varying stat lines, but most of them are tutus. And they have two activated abilities that require them to be tapped. Guild mages are guild mages. Some are good, some are bad. Do you guys yeah. have any any guild mages that you play? Or? Uh, Not I from RNA. I don't really. I've looked at them all and, you know, sort of like mentally theorized decks around them. But, like, they're just sort of, like, they feel very good for, like, limited, mm -hmm. you know, but not as commanders. Like, most of them uh, have decent abilities, but they're all, like, tap abilities. Sure. I don't know. So. Yeah. Com compared to the guild mages from other Ravnica blocks, yeah. These this whole cycle with the tap abilities are pretty much universally really disappointing. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's all the same kind of ability. It just costs so much more. Yeah. And you're like, why why is that? What have you done? Right. Like Syndicate um, Guild Mage is the Orzov one. You can spend five mana and tap it to do two damage to a single opponent. Ugh. Come on. Why not? Like <laughs> you don't even gain the life, like you don't gain life equal to the damage or mm. whatever. Like you just five That's... mana shock them. Yeah. Feels bad. Yeah. Um so. the one that I think has actually got a lot of potential from this whole cycle. Um, or from from Ravnica Allegiance, uh, there there is one I have put together from Guilds of Ravnica, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about that later after Liam introduces that set. Cool. Uh, the the one that I kind of like from Ravnica Allegiance is the Senate Guild Mage, because one of her tap abilities is looting, mm -hmm. and I think she would make an outstanding blue white reanimator deck, with all of the late to dinners uh, breath, and breath uh, of life. Yeah. Breath of Life. Okay. Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to see it. Yeah, I think I think white black reanimator is better. But yeah. If for you sure. wanted to make a like an off color reanimator deck, I think Senate Guild Mage is the way to go because you yeah. can. She she's gonna let you loot the bodies into your graveyard, and the looting is gonna dig you into these late for dinners faster. And you're in blue, so you can Archeomancer to get the late for dinner back. Yes, one hundred percent. Yep. Yeah. All right, what else, what else we got in Allegiance? Uh, in Allegiance, you have... I don't, I don't know what, if, if you can really call this a cycle, but every guild got one or two creatures that enable the guild mechanic. So mm -hmm. for Azorius, that was Addendum. For Rakdos, that was Spectacle. 
for Gruul that was Riot, uh, for Orzhov that was uh, Afterlife, Afterlife, uh, Afterlife, and yep. for Simic that was Adapt. Uh, so every uh, guild got a creature that had the mechanic on it, and then they got another creature that ha- that enabled the mechanic in some way. So like the the Spectacle Rakdos got a creature that dealt direct damage. The Gruul clan got a creature that deals with plus one plus one counters. The Orzhov guild got a creature that sacrifices other creatures. So just kind of enabling the draft archetype more, but these don't really make for fantastic commanders per se. Yeah. Uh, and then the third and final cycle is the XXYY designs, where it is two pips of the first color and two pips of the second color. So it's a four-mana creature. Uh, stat lines vary. Type lines vary. Uh, and they all just kind of do the guild thing. Not necessarily the set mechanic, but just, like, the guild thing. Like, what, what does this guild do? So, like, the Azorius one is a flyer that has a stacks effect. The Rakdos right. one does damage. The Gruul one does attacking things. The Orzhov one <laughs> deals with discarding and life gain. The Simic one counters spells and not gives counters to things, which, you know, is a nice change right. of pace. But they just kind of do The like... Simic one is a lizard wizard. It is a lizard wizard, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they just do guild things. That's that's the XXYYs. They just, they just embody the guild. That's all they do. Yep, pretty much. The same thing about all these cycles can be said for the next set, which is Guilds of Ravnica. Well, what, did, what did RNA get on the Juiceometer? Uh, RNA the got a zero out of ten because nobody no. liked RNA. <laughs> no, no, Rick's Rick's got the zero out of ten. Isn't that what I'm at? Nope, nope. You're right. Rick's got no. the zero out of ten. I'm I am terrible at at this. Uh, RNA got a three out of many. Cool. Many is a lot, and three is a little. So. Yeah, three is three is not a good number. Three out of yeah. twenty-one. Yeah. Even, yeah, I the oh, there's only three cards here that I Yikes. like actually like as commanders. Shark to crab is sweet. I will hear it's hilarious. Exactly, no bad words about shark to crab. I cannot hear them. They don't exist. Uh, Senate Guildmage, I think, would be a cool reanimator deck. And Sunder Shaman, I've seen played. Uh, if you just take a Sunder Shaman and like ramp it out on turn three with an elf, and then on turn four you put Runes of the Deus on it, oh, the game yeah. ends immediately. The game is over. Uh, yeah. I actually so, do uh, kind of like Pitiless Pontiff. Like it's a Orzhov Vol- Voltron commander that has built-in sort of Death Touch and Indestructible. Like that's not bad. Uh, it's not bad. All right. So yeah. maybe four out of many, but maybe. still a really bad That's, score. Yes. Like oh, a lot yeah. of these are just really, really underwhelming and don't do anything interesting. This can be simplified yeah. to a one out of seven. <laughs> there we go. It's pretty much if you're like interested in any of the commanders, the signposts specifically from this set, you can almost guarantee to find a better version of this somewhere else. Except Shark to Crab. Except There's only one crab. card in Magic that is a Shark Octopus Crab. Correct. There's there's no there's no better shark shark octopus crab anywhere else. Are you sure? No, you one hundred percent. If you're gonna tell me about changelings, then I don't care. <laughs> they don't have the words shark octopus crab on them. But they do. It's right there. It says it says changeling. Same thing. No, that changeling is a different word from shark octopus crab. Nah, nah, brah. All right, where are we going next? 
Uh, next, we're going to the other half of Ravnica uh, in oh. GRN. So mm-hmm. in this set, we had the Demir Guild, which introduced Surveil for the very first time. We had the Selesnya Guild, which decided... Wow, this was the this was the introduction of Surveil? This was the introduction of Surveil. Wow, uh, nice. Then we had the Selesnya Guild, which decided that uh, it doesn't like new mechanics. It wanted to convoke for the third time. <laughs> uh, we had the Izzet Guild with Jumpstart, which would later become a product. We have the Golgari Guild, which had uh, something super forgettable that cared about creatures in your graveyard. And then we had the Boros Guild with Mentor. Uh, so yes. again, the same thing can be said for these cycles. Every guild got a guild mage. Every guild got one to two creatures that enabled or were the payoff for the set's mechanic. And then every guild got... Undergrowth. That was the Golgari one. Undergrowth. Undergrowth is Golgari. All right. Yeah. And then every guild also got an XXYY design that just embodies what that color pair can do. I think out of all of these, I really like what Conclave Guild Mage enables with granting the team trample. I don't really enjoy paying six mana for a 2-2 token for a 2-2 with vigilance (laughs) not really my my cup of tea but i do like this as just a way to grant trample in the command zone uh after that boros challenger has a really sweet alternate artwork and it also is a mentor so like that's that's enough for me it's got this cool set mechanic it's boros it's got alternate art that's super sweet it's amazing and a card that, had we done this episode a year ago, I would not be talking about, uh, but I'm going to talk about it now because of a huge functional errata Wizards did uh, a couple months back, and that is Demir Spybug, where they decided that, hey, Surveil, we're actually going to, like, keyword that. Mm-hmm. And they, they took it from being, I think it was, I want to say it was Deciduous, which is which was a two on the storm scale, it might have been a three. It might have been something like, hey, we really like this and we'll come back to it, but it won't be constant. And they kicked that puppy right to a one. They're like, nah, yep. this is uh-huh. definitely evergreen. We're going to use it. We're going to keyword it. Demir Spybug, up until like, I'm saying it's last year. Was it last year? When did they keyword Sound? surveil? Sounds, I think it was last year. I think it was relatively recently, like more recent than I want to say it is but yeah i think it was last year sometime was it or was it in our like... was it in our first summer oh god it was october 2022 no way holy cow yeah yeah i feel like it was right before brothers war because brothers War reprinted curate with the new surveil text instead of the old text mm-hmm. this upsets me this upsets me so much <laughs> all right so had we done this episode a year and a half ago <laughs> I would not be talking about this card. Uh, however, since they keyworded Surveil, there are like 30-ish cards that actually say Surveil now. 32. Um, and I was just looking at Contingency Plan. It's a common sorcery yeah. that originally said, look at the top five cards of your library, put any number of graveyard, blah, 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 blah. And now it's just Surveil 5. Yeah. And, and <laughs> right. And like, you know, granted, a couple, amazing. Of, a couple of these things were printed, you know, in Guilds of Ravnica. A couple of these things have been printed since they keyworded, like cards that originally appeared in Brothers War or uh, Motors at Karlov Manor, stuff like that. But you also look at things like, you know, Otherworldly Gaze or Contingency Plan that didn't say Surveil, and now they do. Uh, And I really appreciate that apparently Otherworldly Gaze got a reprint 
in an MKM precon. Mm-hmm. So there's now a version that says Surveil 3. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. There's there's 30 exactly that are in Demir colors. There are two green ones. So uh, I see. I don't care about the green ones. I'm just looking at the Right. Green. So there's 30 that are in Spybug <laughs> colors. Green doesn't Surveil. <laughs> but yeah, no. I think Surveil's a really super awesome mechanic. And I'm I'm just glad that it's finally been keyworded. I'm also glad that they finally decided to keyword Landfall. But, you know, that's a different story. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? What do you what? think about Gills of Ravnica? Our our Mido here oh. seems to have given it an eleven out of many, which is an which is eleven out of twenty one. Better than the better so than the three. Yeah, yeah. Of Ravnica had so much juice. This is one of the juiciest of juicers. I'm just gonna go through them. I just remember when the sets came out. Like Ravnica Legions came out, everyone drafted it once, and they went back to guilds. No, Ravnica Legions is where the juice is at. Um, Ravnica Legions is where it's at. Boros? Or guilds is where it's at. Not guilds, right? Guilds was the one that was terrible. No, guilds is. Ah, uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Allegiance, Allegiance is the yeah. terrible one. Guilds I remember, is where like, the juice. Allegiance, yeah. the second yeah. one came yeah. out, and so, people drafted it once, and then just went back to the old one. <laughs> they didn't want to do. They didn't want allegiance. Right. So, um, the Boros XXYY is True Fire Captain, yes. which has the ability whenever it's dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target player. Mm-hmm. This is like a two card combo with Guilty Conscience. Uh huh which is a very tutorable aura <laughs> and anything that gives her indestructible. Sure. And there's lots of things that give her indestructible. So like, uh, yeah, the, she's nuts. Um, swath cutter giant. Whenever it attacks, it deals one damage to each creature defending players controls. Uh, yeah. Give that guy lifelink. Give him wither. <laughs> uh, he goes nuts. Um, Ocran assassin is a one, one death touch. All creatures able to block the assassin do so. So it's just naturally Death Touch and Lure on the same card. Mm-hmm. She's nuts. Night Veil Predator. Night Veil black, Predator. Black, black, blue, blue for a 3-3 three, three yeah. flying Death Touch Hexproof. You can't, you can't this argue that This card has rocked the competitive scene when it came out. It's less popular now, but it was a it was an unholy terror for a little while. Yep. Uh, Molder Hulk uh, is just free if you have enough lands in your graveyard. No, I'm sorry. If you have enough creatures in your graveyard, and when it comes in, you get to return lands from your graveyard to play. Yep. Is this this I think is I've in terms of Golgari graveyard decks that I've seen, I've seen more people playing more Molder Hulk decks than any other Golgari graveyard deck. Uh, Ledev Champion used to be the pi- the commander of a Selesnia combo deck that uh, Deej piloted. Mm-hmm. League Guild Mage is my favorite of this new cycle of Guild Mages. That's fair. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I have, a, I have a League Guild Mage deck that I think is remarkably entertaining on several different axes. <laughs> Demir Spybug, we've already talked about. Uh, here's one that you may have heard of. Crackling Drake? <laughs> nah. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's from this set, and it's Berserk. Boros Challenger, we've talked about, and uh, Beam Splitter Beam, Mage. Beam Splitter is pretty dope. Yeah, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. It's Baby Zada. Yep, it sure, it sure is. So, yeah, like, I don't know how many cards, I don't know how many total creatures there are, but, like, a bunch of them are phenomenal. That's fair. Yep. There's more more hits than misses, which is impressive on uh, on a scale this big. Sure. Yeah, no, this is, in terms of, like, sheer number of hits, this is more than anything else. I mean, and it got there because it has more two cuts than any yeah, other yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, for like, sure. But yeah, it's just the, 
judging by volume, this set wins. Yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, there are definitely uh, a handful of good ones. I guess I didn't realize the combo potential with a couple of them. I knew about the True Fire Captain, obviously, because that's similar to the... Uh, was it Spite Mare? Spite Mare. Yeah, it's similar yeah. to that. I knew about Night Vale Predator because that's just a menace. Um, but yeah, I didn't. I guess I didn't realize Ledev Champion could be a combo commander. Molder Hulk I've looked at, but that was like earlier, um, sort of in my PDH career, if you will. And that was more like I was into, I just wasn't building that type of deck. But like the past like eight months, I've been all about doing stupid stuff with my graveyard and this just seems like right up that alley so yeah yeah overall excellent excellent set sweet oh looks like we're back to a core set what do you got dave uh yeah let's talk about m19 mm-hmm. uh which also had some juice uh some of the cards in m19 are not juice and <laughs> i'm just gonna ignore those entirely yeah. but some of the cards in m19 are named Seder enchanter that's a good Which one. has been a constant and terrifying presence in the CPDH scene for since uh, M19 happened, whenever that was. Yep. I think 2018. In a, uh, I hate numbers. Regal Bloodlord, also super fun. Uh, I think it's a... Like, all of the white-black two cuds are always like, let's do life drain stuff. Yeah. Like Cliffhaven Vampire. Uh, I actually really like Regal Bloodboard as like a new take on it, where at the at the beginning of each end step, if you gained life, create a one one bat, mm-hmm. which is going to incentivize you to gain uh, small increments of life repeatedly, so that you can get a bat on every turn of a cycle. And uh, I just like bats. I think bats are neat. yeah, they're cool. They're I think cool, that's cool. free, free uh, real among, estate. Yeah. Among the Orzov two cuts, I think this one is pretty distinct in a way that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Poison Tip Archer, I have seen make waves in the competitive scene as an elf deck. Uh, it's a four mana, two, three, reach, death touch. Whenever another creature dies, each opponent loses one life. Uh, this can do... So. It's just a... It's a aristocrats, but for everyone. For creatures. everybody, yep. Uh, sometimes your opponents have lots of creatures. Yes. Sometimes they have. Sometimes, sometimes they're playing a Kadira deck, and you you board wipe them, hit the crypt yeah. rat. <laughs> yeah, and then everyone game over. Yeah. Sometimes there's just um, breath weapon. Yeah. Uh, the other one I think is worth mentioning here is Ball Brawl Bash Ogre, which is one that I like. Okay, I know that Scarecrow is a big fan of the ogre. Uh, I think it's I think it's all right. Yeah, it's fine. It's a, it's a four mana, three, three with menace. When it attacks, you can sacrifice another creature to give it plus two, plus two. Yep. Uh, so if you have enough threat and effects, it is very consistently a four mana, five, five menace. menace. Yep. Seems good. I think I think there are better commanders for the aggressive threat and effect maneuver, but I like that There one. are. And the thing, <clears throat> excuse me, the thing that I, that kind of like bugs me about the ogre is that it's Rakdos. Like, for some reason, it just doesn't feel Rakdosy to me. I mean, I know it's got, like, Rakdos mechanics, you know, but I don't know. Yeah. That's it. That's fair. Yeah, I feel like if that was mono-black, no one would no one would notice. Yeah, mono-black, totally fine. Yeah, it just sacrifices creatures and gets bigger. It's it's like, it's just an Antuku shade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
<laughs> you only get to do once a turn. Yep. Um, yeah, but it's red for some reason. But it's red so, for some uh, reason. yeah, yep. some of these things are good. Some of them are extremely unremarkable. Uh, I give M19 a 4 out of 8 on the juice meter 50%. The juice meter has spoken. What do we got next? Next up is uh, the set that I am going to officially crown with the Dave's favorite from this era. Okay. Uh, So very excited to come to you about this one. And this one's a little weird. Uh, We're talking next about the set Battle Bond. Mm -hmm. And if we are limiting ourselves strictly to two-color uncommons, there are exactly three of them, (laughs) and one of them is terrible. Right. Uh, One of them is just a two-mana Rakdos thing that gives warriors you control haste. That's it. Which is extremely mundane and kind of boring. Mm -hmm. The other two are some of my favorite all-time commanders. One of them is Azra Oddsmaker. Super uh, hopefully, powerful. Hopefully she needs no introduction, but in case she does, a three-mana Rakdos 3-3 with, at the beginning of combat on your turn, you may discard a card. If you do, choose a creature. Whenever that creature deals damage, combat damage to a player this turn, you draw two cards. Uh, this is my favorite aggro deck. Mm-hmm. Because you're constantly discarding Madness cards for value, and then you're just constantly drawing cards when your creatures connect. Now, the way I've like, heard I've... you talk about the odds maker, and I think I've even played against you once when you were playing this deck, is this your favorite Rakdos commander? Uh, yeah. Okay. It yes. feels like it. It feels like it, yeah. Yeah, because it's... I've never before played an aggro deck that's consistently discarding to hand size. Sure. Which is nuts. And like I my my sort of specific take on the odds maker, like I feel like lots of people look at the odds maker and they they think to themselves, I should use evasive creatures so that I can make sure they get through. I have built the odds maker with nothing but mundane idiots. <laughs> mundane like all idiots. of my creatures yep. are extremely blockable mm-hmm. because I'm gonna attack into you with mana up. I'm gonna send my two two into your three three after betting on my tutu and i'm going to i'm going to stare you right in the eye and i'm going to say do you think i have the combat trick in my hand let's gamble about it yeah cuz like I she's love a that gambler flavor. the flavor and is it's amazing so good just like amazing cuz cuz sometimes i'm bluffing it sometimes i'm just sometimes i got nothing and i just want to like see if you're going to bite yeah or not bite like when the stakes for biting aren't just you kill my creature and you save some life, but they're also like I don't get to draw two cards, like these gambles become like really high stakes real fast. Yeah, and really I important. Cannot get enough of this gameplay, and like enough people are so like intimidated by the fact that I do have a bunch of trample combat tricks in the deck that they just mostly don't block anyway. And then I discard a hand size in my aggro deck that's full of like two mana two twos. It's super fun to play. Uh, definitely yeah. my favorite. Everybody that deck. I've talked to that plays an odds maker deck says the same thing. They say it is wild to have a deck that's so aggressive, but I'm constantly discarding to hand size. <laughs> yeah. And that's uh, awesome. Gator. Gator was recently testing the odds maker in a competitive setting. Mm hmm. Yep, yep. Uh, he's taken it in an even new direction. He's going to run all of the creatures that damage hands. 
the burglar rats, the elder fang disciples, sure. uh, virus beetles. He's running all of those and like enough removal to like eliminate a blocker and attack with this virus beetle for two cards. Interesting. <laughs> so that he's like, he's got this value engine that's going to constantly damage hands and then just be kind of a controly mid-rangey thing. Yeah. Uh, it's very cool. I love that build of it as well. Sure. Um, but I need to stop talking about it because I need to tell you about the other Battle Bond Commander, which is amazing and incredible and I love. And that is Vampire Charm Seeker, which is an 8-mana 3-4 flyer with assist. Uh, assist means that another player can help pay for the colorless inner cost, which is 6. She's 6, a blue, and a black for her cost. But a different player can help you pay the 6. Yep. Um so yeah, uh, she is a Archaeomancer on steroids. When yeah. she enters the battlefield, you can return an instant or sorcery or creature from anyone's graveyard to their hand. And this is the closest I have ever come to making a group hug deck. <laughs> I, The first time I ever played this deck was in the PAL studio with the PALs. Uh, the turn before I cast Charm Seeker, John had played a Mana Geyser, and I was just thinking, wouldn't it be sweet if you did that again next turn? So I just cast a Charm Seeker, I put Mana Geyser back into John's hand, and we had a party. <laughs> we had uh, a party. <laughs> the politics that this card engenders are super fun. I love just playing this. And then it's it's just a bunch of like group hug, group slug, group things sure. happen a lot. Uh, very fun. So yeah, those are the only three actual two-color cards in Battlebond. But the reason that Battlebond is winning the My Favorite set of this era is because Battlebond also gave us the very first ever PDH partners. Mm -hmm. Because of the mechanic Partner With. Partner With, yeah. Uh, Battlebond is the source of Lay and Lore Weaver which again, hopefully need no introduction, uh, but they are they have partner with. It's, there's a blue one and a green one. They are partners. One of them lets you untap lands. The other one draws cards. Uh, wildly powerful competitive deck. Super fun. Yeah. In green and black, we have the Soul Blade pair. Uh, one of them puts counters on your creatures. The other one gives uh, attacking attacking things that have counters get death touch. Also super fun because you can... I think that they apply to anyone's attacking creatures. I think it's whenever a creature attacks one of your opponents. If it has counters, it gets death touch. Mm -hmm. And you can put... And the other the other one lets you put counters on other people's creatures as well. You can do some crazy politics in this. Battlebond was a great politics set. Yeah. There's the Blaring Pair, which I know Fred of the Pals has built. Uh, this is the Orzhov Pair. One of them creates warrior tokens. The other one buffs your warrior tokens. Super interesting token deck there. You know, uh, I recently theorized up a, and I put it on Moxfield, a Rule Zero Orzhov Warrior deck using the uncommons from Khans, I think. Chief of the Edge, Chief of the Scale. I'm going to talk about that later. Oh, you are. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, but no, I was just going to say, like, I don't know why I just didn't build this partner pair. You know what I mean? I went through the trouble oh, of, sure. like, sure, sure, sure. making a rule zero deck for Orzhov Warriors when this was right in front of me the whole time. <laughs> There's already a partner deck for Orzhov Warriors. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Blaring Captain and Blaring Recruiter. Yep. They're really fun. Um, yeah, they seem like it. Mm -hmm. The Boros pair is an imp 
impetuous protege and some kind of mentor. Uh, I think they're the weakest of all of these. I think one of them taps a creature and the other one gets a power boost equal to a tapped creature's power. Mm -hmm. They're aggressively mediocre. Sure. Um, and then the last of the partner pairs we have from Battle Bond is the Is It pair, which is actually a pretty respectable knack deck. Uh, one of them lets you tap to deal two damage to a player. The other one lets you untap something anytime you cast a spell. Which is why it's a very, like, it's one of the knack combo pieces just in the command zone. Yeah. Like, available all the time. Sure. Um, and the payoff also in the command zone. If, like, once you get infinite mana, this, the, the dog, I, no, the dog is what untaps a thing. The human deals the damage. Uh, I think. Yes, I might, yeah, the I might human shocks. I don't. The human shocks a player for a red yep. mana. The dog untaps things when you play spells. Yeah, so super interesting net commanders there. Um, and yeah, I love. I love every single commander that came out of Battle Bond. Mm -hmm. Like except for the, Rakdos thing that gives your warriors haste. <laughs> <laughs> warriors your team controls have haste your teammates as warriors also have haste yeah yeah uh, well, so what okay that's a limited anyway. good yeah 100 percent. it was cool and limited battle bond limited was sweet but yeah battle bond gets my vote for my favorite set of two cuds because i cheated and expanded the entire definition of two cuds to include the partners that seems reasonable the juiceometer okay. allows it. Yeah, I I give give Battle Bond a seven out of eight on the juiceometer. Sure, good. very well worth it. Yep, well well deserved. Uh, all right, let's move on to. Oh, I guess that's me, isn't it? Uh, let's move on to another standard set. This one uh, was OG Dominaria or Dominaria, however you want to pronounce it. This one gave us a really wild kind of stockpile of awesome, interesting uh, two-color signpost uncommons, and they're all legendary. Like, I know we've talked about some legendary creatures already throughout the show, but these are literally every single one of them is legendary. And that's um, that's literally just because they're on Dominaria, right? Like, they gave them names, made them legendary because they're on, like, the home plane, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's how I understood it anyway. Um, obviously we got the OG broken Tatiova Benthic Druid. Like Dave said, I don't think Tatiova needs uh, an introduction, <laughs> but, uh, she's highly competitive, highly powerful, highly combo-tastic. So, uh, definitely check it out if you're into that sort of thing. Uh, the next one, mm, I'm not super, like, sure how good this one actually is, but every time that I've played against Slimefoot the Stowaway, it just does the thing it's supposed to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's crazy how just, like, consistent a deck like that can be. It's the one that makes Sapperlings and that it drains the table if uh, Sapperling dies, basically. Uh, Shauna's to say Legacy, very good. I've never actually played that one, though. Hexproof, one plus one plus one for each creature you control. Seems fine. Um, Rona, I know Dave's a big fan of Rona. I've never played a, with a Rona deck, but I've played against it enough to know that it is popular and it can do some kind of silly stuff um 
or is this the uh, not the Rona I was thinking of? Hold on here. This is the other Rona. This is the other um, Rona. Yep, 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 yep. This okay. is the Rona whose ability looks really, really good on paper. Yes. Until you realize that if she leaves play, you lose access to all of those cards forever. Correct. Correct. She she lets you exile cards underneath her, and then you can like play them later mm-hmm. until she dies, and then you can't. And then, and then there's no, no more later. <laughs> there's no more, there's later. no more later. Yep. Uh, Halar, the Fire Fletcher. You were. I feel like Liam was kind of big on this one. Were you a fan of this one, or did you just for some reason I remember you talking about it? Uh, I I probably built a deck around it at one point. I think, I, yeah, I don't know why I associate this deck with you. Maybe we just talked about it on Twitter at one point Probably. or something. Um, Garna, the blood, the blood flame. I, I feel like all the Garners are popular fan favorites. People like to build around them. It seems fine. Um, Adelie's the Cinder Wind. It's a uh, wizard prowessy type stuff. It's fun. Super, super fun deck if you're into that sort of thing. Really straightforward, kind of linear, but super fun. And then, uh, who can forget Arvad the Cursed? Who cares about your other legendary creatures? Seems good. Uh, yeah. So that's really about it. It, it's another one of those sets that, like, the ones that they hit on, like the ones that perform in PDH perform extremely well, and the ones mm-hmm. that don't are unplayable. Like, there's not a lot of just, like, in between here. And the the hits are really really good. So good, yeah, so good. And the, like the there's only three misses here. Like Shauna is mediocre. Rona is tempting, but just on the wrong side of playable. Yeah. I think Tiana. And Ar- I don't have Arvad any interest. Is a mess. In, yeah, Arvad's a mess, and I don't really have interest in Tiana. I like Tiana a lot. Do you? I, I want yeah. to like it, but something about it just doesn't. I don't know. So here's the here's the trick to a really cool Tiana deck. Okay. You get a ton of vehicles. You crew the vehicles, and then once they're crewed, you enchant them with auras that have enter the battlefield triggers. Uh-huh. And you get those ETB triggers. And then, at the end of your turn, the vehicles stop being creatures, the auras fall off, and Tiana triggers, and you can put the aura back in your hand. Okay, okay, I definitely Yana like that. Yana Vehicles is super entertaining. That definitely seems super entertaining. Yeah, my interests yeah. just rose way, about 30%. Way better than Arvad, anyway. <laughs> yeah, God, like, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you going to do? Yeah, it's terrible. And it's, like, even in, like, a, I don't know, I guess it could be fine, like, in a set like Dominary, where everything's legendary. Anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Anyway, don't play Arvad. It's unplayable in <laughs> PDH, pretty much. So, Yep. Uh, that's Dominaria. And, uh, do you have any input on Dominaria? Liam, I know you're a big fan of this particular plane. I, I do have a little bit of input. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a little upset that y'all keep shitting on Shauna. Like... <laughs> Shauna is I don't, one of the cards... I don't think it's bad. ...that Just... I played a lot when it was in standard this mm-hmm. is this is a standard deck that i i built and and played uh it was just a, a standard uh uh selesnia tokens deck and it also sometimes gained a ton of life but no i i really like shauna i i've i've never been successful at building a pdh deck with her but when i am i will have a shauna deck all right yeah that's fair it just it just needs to be tokens. That's all it is, and 
Yeah. I don't think she's bad. I think she's boring. I mean, I, I'll give you she's straightforward, but I kind of like that, to be honest. Yeah. I, totally fair. I feel like Queen Alanal is just a oh, the superior token. Sure. Yeah. So, so would Kadira or Jasmine. Like, I think it's more so just the card. I think, yeah. I think it's more so just the connection with the card that I have. I think, sure. I mean, I, I respect that. Like I've got also, I've got like pet cards as well. I just think that like in the, in the land of Selesnya tokens, she is not only the least powerful. I think she's the least interesting. Yeah. Fair. Doesn't mean my feelings still aren't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the least powerful doesn't mean unpowerful. Right. She's she's a solid commander. Uh, It'll still do the things you want to do. Yeah. Two mana is real good. None of the other commanders cost two. So uh, that's huge. But yeah, just kind of okay. All right. So Dominaria ended up with a juice meter uh, score of eight out of ten. We can bump that to a nine. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Let's do a nine. Nine Nine out of ten. Ninety percent score. Excellent. The only truly terrible one here is Arvad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm going to include in my my Orzov deck that cares about legends the only two legends printed at common which are red yep and arvad is other legendary creatures it doesn't even do anything for himself like get out of here man get out of here fantastic all right liam you got to tell us about all the juice in rivals of ixalan i am going to tell you about all the juice in rivals of ixalan when we look at rivals of ixalan the meter is at a flat zero so i'm really (laughs) not going to talk much about the individual cards here so much as this is a set that was designed to be small. Uh, it contained less than 200 cards, and it was designed to support the main set, Ixalan, which is what I'm more interested in using our time to talk about, if that is okay with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah, do it. All right, so we're going to jump down to Ixalan. I already, I already think you've talked about rivals for too yeah. long. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. We're going to jump down to Ixalan, where we have a couple of notable creatures, uh, the first of which is Raging Swordtooth, 5-mana, uh, 5-5 five five with Trample, ETBs, it deals 1 damage to each other creature. Uh, this is a good kind of like a mini board wipe. It's a good way to trigger all of your dinosaurs in Rage. Dave, am I missing something? No. Yeah. That's it. Raging Swordtooth. Pretty solid. Uh, next. Yeah, I, lo- I love that within Rage. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up is Deadeye Plunderers, which is a 5-mana 3-3 Demir Pirate that gets plus 1, plus 1 for each artifact you control. Uh, you can pay 4 to create a colorless treasure. Honestly, paying 4 to make a treasure token, not really what I want to be doing. But uh, <laughs> paying 5-mana for like a 2020 is what I want to be doing. Sure. I'm yeah. all about that. Yeah. She's so big. So big. Yep. Yeah. This 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 thing's pretty solid. And the last card that uh, we want to talk about is the Brontodon of the belligerent variety. Uh, this is Ooh. a 7 mana 4-6 dinosaur, and each creature you control assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power. Uh, this is like two-thirds of an Arcades, both in the color sense and in the power sense, because it doesn't actually like refill your hand, but it does make right. all of your walls better. <laughs> but the... I'd say it's half an Arcades, because it doesn't let the walls attack. Sure. Sure. The the notable thing about the Brontodon is that it was the first of these abilities that we ever got yes. at yeah. Uncommon. Yeah. At this point, we have a bunch more, and it is arguably far and away the worst of them. Like, there's a green-black tree that does it for only four mana. Yeah. We have the, the white guy with partner, or not partner, background that does it. Um, and he also doubles everything's toughness if you have the initiative. Right. Uh, 
Yeah. So like we, we can do this much much better now. Yeah. But in 2017, if you wanted to do the the combat damage equal to toughness maneuver, this was your only out. And uh, it wasn't great, but it was it was what we had. God, this card came yep. out six and a half years ago. Oh, it's I don't want to talk about it. it. <laughs> All right. All right. What what kind of juice did the did uh, Ixalan get? Uh, this set had a rating of three out of seven. It had seven uh, signposts, and three of them were worth talking about. Sweet. We're going to jump over to Hour of Devastation next. So we're going to Amaket. And I was devastated. Out, oof. hour of <laughs> devastation. Wow, that was bad. Uh, had five enemy-colored signposts for you to pick from, and the mm-hmm. three that we're going to talk about are Unraveling Mummy, River Hoop, and Obelisk Spider. So Unraveling Mummy was, I believe, the first Orzov zombie enabler that we had, right? Yeah, yeah it came. Seems, it came before right, yeah. the the corpse night. If, yes. if you even built Corpse Knight as zombies, more so right, than just right. creatures. Granting various zombies that were attacking lifelink and death touch made it kind of this neat little mid-range that could very easily switch between defensive and offensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, River Hoop is a 2-mana 1-3 bird, uh, and it has an activated ability that you can pay mana and do to gain 2 life and draw a card. Uh, it is, a, I guess, an infinite mana sink to go find a combo that actually wins you the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have these days. We have Gretchen. Yeah. For the same cost, slightly cheaper ability. Sure. Uh, this was the pre-Gretchen Gretchen. Sure. Right. Uh, and then we have the Spider, which is a three mana one four with Reach. Uh, when it deals combat damage to a creature, you put a one one. You put a neg one neg one counter on that creature, and whenever you put one or more of these counters on a creature, each opponent gets drained for one. So they would all lose one. You would gain one. Uh, mm-hmm. This is pretty solid. Uh, minus one, minus one isn't really a big strategy in PDH. I mean, honestly, it's not a big strategy in EDH either. <laughs> so, and we've got really... like a handful of more proliferate effects in the last couple of years. But yeah, this yeah. is like an outstanding ability. Yeah, I think the thing that irritates me more is it's it's specifically combat damage. So you can't even get tricky with like uh, the bow that deal that lets you ping. Mm-hmm. Viridian. Yeah, Viridian Longbow. Yeah, Viridian Bow. Uh, and then it also says whenever you put one or more, so like Proliferate doesn't, you know, get you to drain your opponents for five or six. It's only yeah. one. Like, yep. Oh, I, no, it, Proliferate does. Whenever it's you put whenever one, you put one or, or more, more minus one minus one counters on a creature. Oh, on a creature. Okay. Oh, so yep. if you put okay. them on four yep. creatures, you get four triggers. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. So I like this now. I was thinking, how, like, if one <laughs> of those was the other way around and was better, I would really like, okay, no, I, I'm pretty solid. It's on a creature. Finish reading the card, Liam. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's not It's not great, but it's interesting. It's yeah, not, d- definitely interesting. If you want to run minus one, minus one counters, it's probably playable. Outside of that, you have Bloodwater Entity, which is just like a worse effect at this time, and it's also just a worse Crackles. So... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know Crackles comes later, but... I think at this point we also it's, had Enigma Drake too, and that was just better. So well, there's a reason they downshifted Bloodwater. We had Enigma Drake common. and Spellheart Chimera. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. one, no one liked Bloodwater when yeah. it came out. There's a reason it got downshifted, like Brad said. <laughs> uh, and then the Boros one exerted, and you just you don't want to exert to in the command zone. No. 
You I don't. feel so bad and, every time. And especially for just just one pestilence trigger, like really Right. Yeah. Really it you can do better. So what, yeah. what kind of juice did we get from the desert here? Uh, we got a three out of five from this hmm. desert set. Okay. All right. Uh, but if we go to the previous desert set, which is Amonkhet itself, uh, yep. the original, the OG, uh, which had a full cycle of ten two-color uncommon signpost creatures, and only one of them is really worth talking about. That's Avon Windguide. Uh, it's a four-mana 2-3 Bird Warrior with Flying and Vigilance. It's got Embalm. And the most important line of rules text that like has never been repeated or modified upon <laughs> is creature tokens you control have Flying and Vigilance. I am not ashamed to say I have read this card wrong my entire existence on this planet. <laughs> I always thought it said... Creature tokens you control with flying have vigilance. Wow, that would that be would be much terrible. much worse. That would yeah. be awful. That's why I've literally never looked at this commander again. No, uh, no, no, no. no, it's much better than that. Yeah. Yes, it it certainly is. It certainly is. Yeah, and this card's amazing. Yeah, this um, this is the card that I wanted that zombie thing to be. Yeah, which zombie thing? Get, from what the, there's like. a zombie the. the the thing that gives all of your zombie tokens, oh, yeah, 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 like menace and hexproof or whatever. Yep. This gives it to all your tokens. They don't have to be zombies. No, and that that's is fantastic. What we want. Big yep. fan. Big fan. Yeah. Uh, Amonkhet had a couple of other things. Uh, things that exerted. Things that dealt with minus one, minus one counters. Things that dealt with the cycling that was in the set and the zombies. But like none of them were like amazing. Like no, the Simic no. one was. A mana dork. You're not yeah. going to build a mana dork as your commander. That seems <laughs> foolish. Yeah, uh, yeah. They're all just, really middly. Yeah, they're mid. They're all super totally mid. mid. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, what kind of juice did we get from this desert landscape? One out of ten. Uh, One like no juice. Nothing. Just basically no juice. Basically empty. no juice. All right. So that's going to catapult us over to Aether Revolt, mm-hmm. uh, where we had eight uncommon signposts three of which we are going to talk about uh, the first one is w- winding constrictor uh two mana for a two three which is already amazing uh, if yep. one of more counters would be placed on an artifact of each you control that many of those counters plus one are placed on it instead and if one more counters if if you would get one more counters that many you get that many plus one so this is kind of like your energy commander slash yeah. it's plus one plus one counters. It's in Golgari, so you could also do minus one minus one with your opponent's stuff. You want to proliferate everything. Don't worry too much about the poison. It's probably fine. Yeah, it's you okay. know, yeah. It's just it's a solid card. It it mm-hmm. it does a lot of work for its cost. Yep, it does two exactly mana. what you want it to do. Yeah, two mana. Yeah, it's obscene. <laughs> I'm also going to talk about Maverick Thopterist, which is 5 mana for a 2-2 human artificer. You heard that, right? 5 mana for a 2-2. Uh, it has Improvise, uh-huh, sure. which is like Convoke, but for artifacts. And when the Thopterist enters the battlefield, you create two 1-1 colorless Thopter artifact creature tokens with flying. Uh, yep. So you get I know two... we've mentioned Scarecrow a lot on this episode, but this is one of his favorite decks. Yeah. This is the Scarecrow special. Yep. Yeah, you just got to flick of this he... puppy. He, he doesn't even flicker it. What he does is he, he plays a lot of bone splitters. 
Sure. Because bone splitters are great improvised fodder. You can yeah. tap the bone splitter to play this guy. Mm, Absolutely. Then you give him the bone splitter and you start sending him, you just yeet him <laughs> recklessly at everyone sure. until they either die to commander damage or they kill it. And you're like, cool, I have a bunch of artifact tokens. He still only costs two, two mana. mana. Yeah. I'm going to play him again. And you end up with this sort of like divided threat where you have a bunch of Thopter tokens, which also love Bone Splitter. They sure. certainly do. And you have this guy, which you can just be unreasonably reckless with because you want him to die. Yeah. Because his the Thopters he makes pays for his own commander tax. And you just, it's a ceaseless threat. Yeah. Ceaseless double threat. Once, once it comes in for the like first it. time, it's just, it's, it's over. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. The other card we want to talk about is Renegade Rallier. So this is a 3-mana three 3-2 three, human warrior with the Revolt mechanic. The Revolt mechanic is just a little tagline to, to tell you to keep track of something. Uh, when the Rallier enters the battlefield, if a permanent you control left the battlefield this return, that's the, the Revolt tagline, uh, you return target permanent card with CMC 2 or less for your graveyard to the battlefield. Oh, it seemed, it's super weird to say CMC again. With yeah. mana value <laughs> 2 or less. Sorry, I'm reading like the printed card and it's yeah. Says, says CMC. Mana value. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So return target permanent card with mana value two or less from Giga to the Battlefield. What are we doing with this one? I'm I'm a little lost on this one, Dave. Yeah, what were you talking uh, about earlier, this, Dave? This card was the the poster child for non blue combo for a while. Because this card creates an infinite combo with angelic renewal. Mm-hmm. There's a two man enchantment. <laughs> okay. Is when a creature dies, you can sacrifice Angelic Renewal to return that creature to the battlefield. Sure. Yes. So Angelic Renewal returns the Rallier. You sacrifice the Rallier to Ashnod's Altar for two mana. Uh, at, and the Rallier returns the Angelic Renewal. Right. Over and, and over just, and over it, again. Yep. It's this cycle that just goes on forever and you get infinite mana out of it. And which is a very compact combo. All you need is the Renewal and the Altar. And then your sure. commander. Yep. Um, it was not very robust. Like there's a there's a lot of choke points in this combo, and it's hard to find your pieces. Like you don't have any tutors for them. But for a while, this was sort of championed and hailed as the non-blue combo commander. It was widely celebrated. These days, it doesn't see much play at all. What you are you do... What are you doing in Solesnia with infinite colorless mana? Sprout swarm. Sprout swarm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, crashing drawbridge, yada yada yada. Okay, sure. cool. I mean, this when it was popular, crashing drawbridge didn't exist. So no, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. But like, it's also notable that like Sprout Swarm's an instant. So like, mm-hmm. if you had this combo online, you could you could just do it on someone's end step in with step Sprout Swarm to make infinite untap tokens. with <laughs> yeah five hundred thousand tokens. Sure. Yeah, I like it. Nice. Where sure. are we going from here? Yeah, where are we going from here? Well, what did uh, what kind of juice we got here in Aether Revolt? So in Aether Revolt, we had a three out of eight. You got a couple of other creatures floating around the set. They were mainly just there to support the draft archetype. Which sure. They really don't make great commanders. Uh, now we're we're starting to hit the point in Magic design where, you know, they 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 still don't currently design for PDH, but with a heavier focus on EDH that tends to bleed into the draft and commons a little bit more. We're, we're, we're at the point where EDH was becoming big, but it wasn't like the format. So that design principle hadn't bled into the uncommons yet. So we're getting to a yeah. point where 
one, two, maybe three of the uncommons are going to be pretty solid as commandos, and the rest really are just draft cards. So Fair. this one good, was another good explanation. Th- three out of eight. The next set is going to take us to Aether Revolt's namesake plane, which is Kaladesh, where we had another eight uncommon creature signposts. The two we're going to talk about are Contraband Kingpin and Cloudblazer. So yep. Contraband Kingpin is a 2-mana 1-4 with lifelink, and whenever an artifact enters under your control, scry 1. Yep. And Cloudblazer... Demir. Yeah, Demir, Demir specifically. Demir yeah, scry. That's awesome. If this was made today, it would probably say surveil. Yep. <laughs> uh, and Cloudblazer is a 5-mana 2-2 human with flying, and it enters the battlefield, you gain 2 life and draw 2 cards. Uh, I don't know about you folks, but both of these uh, are screaming to me that they are like combo tastic slash controly, and both seem profoundly irritating. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, I've, I've <laughs> definitely theorized and also seen Cloudblazer. Uh, you know, it was one of my favorite flicker targets in my Chulain deck uh, mm-hmm. forever ago. So I can only imagine how it is when it's in the command zone and it doesn't go away. Yeah, no, it's so for like for a while, there was this sort of debate that went on about what's what's the best flicker commander, Um, you know, back in 2016, when we were talking about uh, Olka, Miss Meta Witch and this, and I, I was very firmly on the side of Miss Meta Witch, because for all of its irritating buggery. It is less irritating than Cloud Blazer to play against. That life <laughs> is just insufferable. And like we would have these arguments, and I would be like, Cloud Blazer doesn't flicker itself. You eventually run out of flickers. And they're like, no, you draw two cards every time. And I was like, God. Yeah. This is. <laughs> when does this stop? And like, th- yeah. you know, these days we have OG and we have. Solar I was going to say, so this was the OG before OG. <laughs> yes. Before we had OG, we had Cloud Blazer and it nice. was somehow worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I just recently played against the Kingpin deck and it was cool. Like it was, yeah. you know, kind of what you'd think, you know, it was Demir, artifacts, equipment, cranial plating, you know, let's go. Like, but that's fun. I, I like Cr- to do that in Demir. So cranial plating on the guy that naturally life, life links is correct a lot yeah with a four butt like that's not bad so sweet what kind of uh juice did call kaladesh give us uh, kaladesh only had a two out of eight again yeah you're hitting yeah. the point where like you had a, a boros dude that cared about vehicles you had a, a gruel dude that cared about energy you had There's three a... of them that care about energy four of them no, yeah, three yeah. That care about energy. Yeah. You had you had Gruul, Simic, and is it that all cared about energy yep. in some fashion? Yeah. Uh, the the Ozav one was caring about returning things Ugh. to your hand. Like yeah, four mana, three three. Get out of here. Again, this is the point where like EDH hasn't been super popularized yet. I mean, it's 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 climbing, but it's not there yet. Yeah. And so that design principle hasn't bled its way into the standard sets yet these really were designed for limited and were not designed at all with EDH in mind. And while they're not designing for PDH, when you design for EDH, you are designing for PDH. Correct. By extension. So yeah. Cool. I mean, there you go. Two out of eight. Two out of eight for Kaladesh. Uh, Looks like I'm up next. And actually we're moving into probably what's going to be the only perfect score on the Juice-O-Meter for any two-color uncommon signpost set that we're going to talk about in all of these episodes forever. 
and I didn't really draft this set, so I don't know what's going on with the, with the uncommons in here, but we're literally going to talk about one card from... Oops, I clicked off the thing. We're going to talk about one card from the original Conspiracy set, and it's no, Orzhov. Conspiracy 2. Oh, is it Conspiracy 2? Oh, Take the Crown. Yep, 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 yep. Conspiracy 2, Take the Crown. Uh, it is Knights of the Black Rose, a 5-mana 4-4 human knight that gives you the monarchy when it ETBs. And then whenever an opponent becomes the monarch, if you are the monarch as the turn began, that player loses 2 life, and you gain 2 life. I think everything about this card is perfectly Orzov, and I love it, and I don't care that it got 100% by default, it's still really cool. It's exactly what you want. I mean, if your deck cares about the monarchy, um, grinding down your opponents, hitting them for a little gain gain and drain value, like this is just the Orzov commander that you want to have. It's perfectly Orzov in my eyes, so. I, I love this card a lot. I do too. I love it. it I'm, I'm mad a ridiculous that... amount. Kaldheim's juice meter score was like a nine and a half out of ten. <laughs> it was so close to perfect. It's being beaten by Conspiracy Two. I think Conspiracy Two deserves its perfect score. It is one two color uncommon, and that card is great. Perfect score. Perfect one out of one. Yeah, like they Feels had a little a like million, cheating. But they could have done anything to make I mean, this card bad, and they just it, didn't. It they might didn't. have it. It might feel a little bit like cheating, but here's the thing. If a set only has one two cud and it's terrible, like mm. that I, I feel like that's worse. Like that's what I'm saying. I mean, we did we did just have a set with ten two cuds that were all terrible. Right. Rest but in like, peace. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you had one job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, a, that's uh... just embarrassing for the designers at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a hundred percent juice. So that yeah. that that keg of juice is uh overflowing. But that's all I got to uh, say about Knights of the Black Rose, unless you guys have anything to add in on it. No, I want to talk about uh, Eldritch Moon. Yes, do it. I want to hear okay, about Eldritch it. Moon has given us exactly three two-color uncommon creatures. Uh, one of them is really great art, but we're not talking about it. Morn Willow, look it up. You can be disappointed with us on your own time. Uh, one of them is Mercurial Geists, which is an Izzet card that's basically just a really big wee Dragonauts. Notable in that it's a spirit. Not a great card. I've never seen a deck for it. I designed one once. It was weird. Not <laughs> it my was favorite. weird. <laughs> uh, Lash Weed Lurker is the card that's actually very interesting from the set. It's an, uh, a Simic Eldrazi with Emerge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you cast this 5-4, you can put a non-land permanent on top of its owner's library. So it's a big Simic Tempo Energy with Emerge. You can do cool mm -hmm. things with that. I'm going to give uh, Eldritch Moon a generous 2 out of 3. Fair. Totally fair. I, I love the... Things... Hmm? I, I love the theme and the aesthetics of the set, but yeah, we did appropriate very little. And then I'm going to move along so we, we can talk about Shadows over Innistrad. We have a bunch of cards here that are actually monocolored cards with an off-color ability. Mm -hmm. And overwhelmingly, they are terrible. Not great. Not uh, great. I've, I can imagine someone doing something with Veteran Cathar, which is a 2-mana yep. 2-2 two two that lets you pay 4-mana to give target human double strike. Like, if you want to do Selesnya Human Tribal, 
This double strike is not it. small ability for human yeah. tribal. Rock and roll. Rock and um, roll. The deck that I have put together from among these cards is Autumnal Gloom, which isn't mm -hmm. even legal. It's a three mana enchantment. Which isn't even legal. <laughs> Once you pay black mana to mill cards, and if you have delirium, then it flips into a creature. The creature is pretty intimidating. It's 4 4 trample and hexproof, but yeah. uh, it's all right. I've seen people think about doing Pious Evangel Aristocrats. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a three mana 2 2 that transforms into a 2 4 uh, aristocrat, basically. Whenever it or another creature dies, target opponent loses one life and you gain one life the target opponent makes it just sort of rough categorically worse than yeah. everything no one really likes the pious evangel uh so because you end I up running give... out of creatures before you run out of opponents yeah. Brutal. yeah target opponent versus each opponent is just not yeah not, not good enough so i will give uh shadows over innistrad a a generous two out of eight yeah, unfortunately. Juice meter. Everything else is just real bad. Yeah, it's just not great. Like, and that's fine, but it's just target not great. vampire gains haste until end of turn. Spare <laughs> me. Yeah. I'm gonna swiftly move right into Oath of the Gate Watch. Okay, this Here. has got to be better than two out of eight, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> oh no please please temper your expectations with the knowledge that as liam says we have we have entered the era in which people are not designing for 100 card singleton formats they're designing for yeah. the draft environment so a lot of these are like really great solid draft cards good and sealed decks but they're just really mundane middly un in unexciting as commanders for a 100-card set. Oath of the Gatewatch has two cards that I want to talk about for a Juice Meter score of 2 out of 10. Uh, one of them should be familiar to many of you. It is called Cliffhaven Vampire. Love it. It is a 4-mana Orzhov 2-4 flyer with whatever you gain life, each opponent loses one life. Mm -hmm. uh, this card came out after I had already built a Viscopa Guildmage deck, and I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> Who would do this? And then I saw decks with it, and I was like, oh... I get That's it. why, yeah. Uh, it's coming together. It's all um, coming together, yep. There's another card here called Baloth Null, which I have always thought was interesting. I spent a while encouraging all my friends to build a deck because I wanted to see what one looked like. This is a Golgari-colored 6-mana 4-5. And you're thinking, for 6-mana, I'd better get a ton of value out of this. Mm -hmm. uh, the value is there. When it enters the battlefield, you get to return two creatures from your graveyard to your hand. See, that's I love the value. That. that is the value. Uh, Cloud Blazer is really irritating because every time you flicker it, you get to draw two cards. This one gets you to draw two cards, except the two cards you draw are threats. Are the exact ones you want in the yes. moment. Yes, the, the two cards that are going to be the most impactful in terms of creature beatings. Those are the oh, two and, you draw. And you still draw for turn. <laughs> yeah. Bailout Null puts in work. That is pretty dope. Yeah, I think you've yeah. sold me on it. I have to give it another look here shortly. I th I, like now that we have so many like really good land cyclers, like land the troll cyclers, of Cause of Doom, and uh, so many generous speed mill stuff. Yeah, the ints. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, yep. Like I just want to, I want to play this guy with all the land cyclers. Yeah, like Gloomfang. Yeah. yeah, all those, all those folks. Yep. Yeah, I feel like he could do some damage. Yeah, so that's my two out of ten Oath of the Gatewatch. 
battle for Zendikar. Take it away, someone else. Unless I'm going too fast and we need to say other things about this. Nah, I think we're good. Two out of ten pretty much sums it all up. Very little juice. Uh, let's yep. move on to BFZ. This one is not far behind uh, Oath of the Gatewatch. I'm a big fan of the whole cycle from BFZ, even though I, I really get that most of the uncommon creatures or, or the cud, the two cuds here from BFZ are not really much of a thing in PDH. It's really just based on the aesthetics and the card types. You know, like Eldrazi drones and, you know, druid allies and elementals and elf warrior allies. Like, I'm a big fan of those in a magic setting. Like, it feels very, very magic-y to me. The frames, some of the frames are really, really cool for, like, the the Devoid spells, the Devoid creatures, that sort of thing. I'm a big fan. Uh, Eldrazi I've always loved. But, like, as a whole... The uncommon creature cycle, the, the the signpost, if you will, didn't really hit the mark for me. Uh, Re- Resolute Blademaster, the 5-mana 2-2 two, two, uh, with Rally. Whenever it or another ally enters the battlefield under your control, creatures you control gain double strike until the end of turn. This deck really did a lot of work, and it was very powerful in two of the six games I played with it. <laughs> it, it, it was really very good. Very hit or miss. Yeah, very hit or miss. And then I pretty much replaced. I, I did. I made a handful of changes to the ninety nine, and I replaced Blade Master with Shadowfax, and I've never been happier. So it was an excellent, excellent decision there. Um, I, that might be about it. There's some landfall stuff here, a little bit of ally stuff, some Devoid stuff, but like. Overall, I, I I don't know that this is like a big hit, you know, for um, PDH. There's one more we were going to talk about, and that's the Herald of Kozilek, Kozilek. and that is the uh, Is It One. It's a two-four uh, with Devoid and uh, you know other colorless spells. You cast cost one generic less to cast. Sure, that can be a thing. <laughs> you know, you could make that a thing. Is it cares about spell slinging? And it loves when its spells are cheaper. So that can definitely be a thing. I've seen people mess with the Catacomb Sifter, and I've seen people mess with the Forerunner of Slaughter, and they just never really seem to pan out, or they end up finding better options in the command zone. Um, There's an Orzhov Vampire Cleric ally here, which is an awesome creature type. The artwork's amazing. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. Uh, okay, like... Whatever. I think I've spent too long talking about BFZ. Overall, the Juicometer gave it a solid, refreshing 2 out of 9. Just slightly better than Oath of the Gatewatch. Unless you two can like come up with a reason to make BFZ better than that. No. I didn't think so. <laughs> uh, cool. I'll throw it back to you, Dave. What do you got? we got a couple more sets here, and then we'll wrap it up for the evening. Yep. Uh, I... After BFZ, we need to talk about Magic Origins, mm-hmm. which was uh, a weird sort of corset-ish thing that happened in 2015. Magic Origins had a fair bit of juice going on in here. It did. We have um, Zendikar Incarnate. Doesn't see a lot of play, but it is something I brewed around with at the time. Uh, it is a 4-mana star 4 with power equal to the number of lands you control. 
Uh, I think at this point we have better options, but uh, it's an elemental that's in gruel colors, which I thought was neat. Thunderclap Wyvern is very much like the Imperial Eagle that we've already heard about, except it also has Flash. Mm -hmm. Costs one more mana. Opens up some cool play avenues with keeping your mana open, being responsive. Shaman of the Pack is a 3-2 Golgari kid. When it enters, target opponent loses life equal to the number of elves you control. The original yeah. elf ball dome damage to the face maneuver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which only got better as we got more and more grave flickers. Mm -hmm. And the other ones we should talk about. Uh, I've seen people play Blood Curse Knight. Uh, oh, I think sure, sure. Yeah. I get. Uh, I think there's probably better Voltron options, but I like the, some of the avenues this opens up. Mm -hmm. It's an Orzhov 3 mana 3 2. As long as you control an enchantment, it gets plus 1 plus 1 on lifelink. So, like, there are some cool things you can do with, you know, turn turn two Seal of Cleansing just to have an enchantment out there that you can use later. Yeah. Or, you know, Omen of the Dead, whatever. Turn, what is, what's that, Hopeless Vigil? Some cheap enchantment that's just going to have an impact and then sit around. And then on, on turn three, this is a 4-3 lifelink. Yeah. Which is not bad. Blazing Hellhound is our Rakdos Hopeless option. Nightmare. There we go. That's it. Hopeless nightmare. Yep. Hopeful vigil. Hopeless nightmare. Yes, that's the that's the pair. Blazing hellhound is our Rakdos offering. It is a four mana four three that lets you pay one mana, sacrifice another creature, deal one damage to target creature or player. This is makeshift munitions in the command zone on a four three. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. And I I think that at this point we have more interesting Rakdos sacrifice commanders, but this was uh, one of the powerful ones in 2015 yep, and i, I appreciated it, yeah. his presence uh those are the five from origins that i think are noteworthy everything else is terrible yeah yeah kind of terrible and like unfortunately some of these are also terrible like <laughs> i talked about zendikar incarnate and thunderclap wyvern like i don't think they're very impactful anymore no i don't think so yeah What's the juice-o-meter say? Uh, a very generous 5 out of 10. Very generous. Okay. Very generous. That's that's totally fair, yeah. Yeah. Cool set overall. Origins was a cool set. Just not super great for what we're trying to do up in here. Mm-hmm. We are, at this point, running out of two cuts. The, uh, the, the signpost Kinda, uncommon yeah. thing is going to get really sketchy in how it manifests in the next couple sets. Uh, the next set we're talking about only had five mm -hmm. uncommon creatures. We only did the allied colors. Every single one of them is a six-mana dragon. That's uh, cool. Because the set we're talking about is Dragons of Tarkir. Uh, three of them are bad. Bad. Mm -hmm. One of them mm -hmm. is Ruthless Deathfang, which is oppressive and terribly grindy to deal with <laughs> yeah i can't imagine yeah uh yeah it's the only thing that keeps it in check is that it's target opponent sacrifices a creature whenever you sacrifice a creature if it were each opponent it would be oh my lord insufferable yeah it would um so ruthless death thing i have seen decks i've played against decks with it it's it's no good and the other one that is worth mentioning is savage vent maw which is another Scarecrow special. 
Uh, one of my favorite decks in Gruel. Oh, so a, good. Four I mana, four, four flyer. Every time it attacks, you get six mana. Three red, three green. And it doesn't drain on uh, on steps and phases. Yeah, and you know what colors love fireball and combat tricks? <laughs> red is and green. Red and green? <laughs> it certainly yeah. is. It certainly There's is. There's so many cool things you can do with just a free six mana every turn. Yeah. On a 4-4 flying body. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a lot of fun. I like him a lot. Yep. So, uh, Dragons of Darkir has earned itself a uh, a two out of five on the juice meter. Yeah, even having uh, half of a complete cycle, it still couldn't get to fifty percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's okay. I think we got the other half of this cycle in Fate Reforged. Ooh, what do we got, Liam? In Fate Reforged, there's absolutely nothing. <laughs> we didn't get the other half of that cycle in Fate Reforged. Uh, no, we sure no. did not. Uh, I was close. So Fate Reforged has absolutely zero uh, two-color uncommon signpost creatures. Um, there's a reason for this. So Khan's block was a three-set block. It was also the last three-set block. Uh, and it was the testing yeah. ground for the two-set blocks. So with with previous three-set blocks, such as gate crash or theros block the first set was a big set the second set kind of varied but it was kind of like a, a mid to small set and then the third set was also a small set and you know you were meant to draft them uh you know three of the first set and then two of the first set with one of the middle set and then and then one first set one middle set one last set that's how all the three set blocks had been designed for years Khan's block was not designed like that. Khan's no, block was, was designed as kind of two two-set blocks smushed together. So mm-hmm. Khan's was a three-color set. It was wedges. And and you were meant to draft three Khan's. And then Fate Reforged come out. And Fate Reforged had a couple of weird designs in it that didn't make a whole lot of sense. But for the most part, it, it kind of supported the Khan's environment. You were meant to do uh, uh, two and one, two Khan's and, and one Fate. And and then dragons came out, and dragons kind of recontextualized some of the cards in Fate Reforged that didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but dragons was a two color set; it wasn't a three color. So the way that that was meant to be drafted was either three dragons or two and one, two dragons and one fate. At no point were you really ever supposed to put cons and dragons into the same draft, into the same event. <laughs> so it kind of ends up as two two set blocks where it's cons and fate or dragons and fate uh yeah. but but never all three and so when you look at it through that lens you've got cons which is a three color environment and dragons which is a two color environment that share a a kind of monocolor focused set to support them both now are mm-hmm. there two color cards and three color cards in fate reforged yes but though they're not the predominant focus they're not they don't have signposts uh right. in fact fate reforged was a small set it, it you know cons and dragons were both large sets but fate was a small set it didn't it didn't it was it didn't have the signposts it was meant to support the existing signposts mm-hmm. and so it it was kind of like their testing ground for these these two set blocks and and I like to think that you know if they decided they didn't like this format they would have kept doing three set blocks. Uh, I like to think that I, I know it's probably <laughs> not true, um, but that that's kind of why Fate Reforged doesn't have any of these 
uncommon signposts. It just it wasn't designed to have them. Yeah. yeah and it just that's wasn't okay. like that. Yeah, and it yeah, it's not and like they tried to okay. design it a certain way and missed. <laughs> like it just wasn't that way. Right. And we you know, we got some good uncommons from Fate Reforged, like Team or Sabretooth, uh Humble Defector, you know, stuff like that. But like, yeah, it's just not part of what we're talking about this evening. Yep. That's okay. So. We're gonna go we still need the other half of this uh dragon cycle. I'm gonna look for it in cons. Yeah, it's gotta come from the same world, right? Same plane. I mean, Good let's long. see what we got in cons of Tarkir. <laughs> uh, bad news, friends. Cons of Tarkir uh, is giving us exactly four different two-color uncommons. All four of them are terrible. Terrible. Two of them Awful. should have partner. Chief of the scale. Chief of the edge. These are the pair that Brad mentioned earlier as his Orzhov warrior deck. Yep. Uh, both are two mana creatures. One of them gives warriors plus one butt. The other one gives warriors plus one power. Very cool. Super cool together. The art even goes together, I think. I uh, think so. And I like the one that gives um, plus one O, or plus one plus O is a three two, and the one that gives plus O plus one is a two three. Like, I like that. Yep. Like that interchange they, is cool. They could have both been two twos that gave that buff, buff to themselves. Sure could have. But they're not. Um, no. So. Uh, in terms of if we're being strict about two cuds, cons gets a zero out of four. <laughs> but I should also mention, if we're going to expand this to three colors, cons was a set that had a lot of three color creatures for us. There was a cycle of three color wedge colored creatures. This is, except for Anna Battle Mage from Plane Chase, these are the only wedge commanders we have in the entire format Correct. all five of them came from the same cycle from cons of Tarkir. all five of them are pretty great if you they want pretty to play awesome. a wedge check them out and they have been brewed around endlessly endlessly yep but they're cool they uh, are very very cool yeah that's the end of cons we have one more set to give you take it away the last set of the evening is m15 Ooh, corset time. Corset 2015. This is the set in which I started playing Magic. Oh, yeah, that's right. This is this is the first set I ever bought a product for. It was a deck builder's toolkit. At the same time, I bought Dual Deck Speed versus Cunning. I would mm -hmm. play in my first event in Kaladesh. So it was a bit of a gap. Sure. <laughs> but it's a bit of a two-year gap, but it's fine. And I, I'm counting, like, pre-release. Like, my first ever pre-release was Kaladesh. Yeah. Um, M15 gave us five two-cuts, if you want to put air quotes. Because yeah. these are five monocolored creatures that have an activated ability in a second color. Yep. I think we all kind of agree that these feel like just bad guild mages because they only oh, have one yeah, ability that's instead a of two good way to put it yeah they only have one ability instead of two and they're just as as dave has so eloquently written here they're just not aggressively cost enough cost they enough. are not yeah like if you they for instance the green one is a green creature that gets plus one plus one as long as you control planes and it has a white activated ability all of the creatures are templated like this. The red one cares uh -huh. about forests and has a green ability. The black one cares about mountains, has a red ability, and so forth. The green is a one mana 2-2 two -two if you control a planes. 
Mm-hmm. The red one is a four mana four four if you control a forest. The black one is a five mana five four. The blue is a three mana two four. The white is a two mana three two. Like I just they aren't costed aggressively enough to care about that second color per se. Mm-mm. And their yep. abilities just all cost too much. Yeah. You can really see the old corset designs in these cards. Yep. Where they were meant to be very simplistic, very repetitive, very easy for new players to get a, a, a grasp with and, and play with. Yeah. yeah. That's kind the, of the, only, the only two I could see even trying to build around would be the uh, Selesnia one and the Gruel one just because there's green and you can mm-hmm. ramp into those activated abilities. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> like, the, like that's these, about it. <laughs> those two specifically are the two that I like the least because uh, each of them you can make a direct comparison to a guild mage like Sunblade oh, Elf. Oh, sure. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunblade mm-hmm. Elf, that that ability, five mana for creatures you control get plus one plus one. Selesnia Guild Mage lets you gives you that exact same ability for four mana. Yep. <laughs> and another ability. Curd Chieftain as well. Curd Chieftain's ability is target creature gets plus two, two plus two. Gruel Guild Mage gives you that exact same ability for four mana, and it gives you another ability. <laughs> like, yeah. all of these are just, like, I'm going to take a Guild Mage and give you half of it. And you're like, yeah, why, why would great. I want half why? of the Guild Mage? I mean, to, what if to I, be fair, can I have the whole thing? The Demir one might be the best just because it's named Joru by Merklurker and it's a leech. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, that's a compelling argument. Yeah, so there's that. I don't know. I'm looking at, I'm looking at the art on that Elf Warrior and that's, that's some pretty sick art. It's great. Yeah, it's art, a cool card. But it's not a leech. But it's a warrior. No, it is not. He's a warrior. Yeah, someday it'll grow up and it'll become a Selesnya guild mage, and then, <laughs> then playing only then, but yep. not before. Yeah, yeah, not before. Naturally. All right. So, uh, what kind of juice did the corset give us? The juice from the corset is a one out of five, and I'm not entirely sure which one Dave's talking about. Not worth the squeeze. Eight years ago. Wait, no, 2014. Sorry. Ten years ago, a friend of mine built Nightfire Giant. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the one. It was <laughs> a bad deck. I took it apart later. Gotcha. I was like, I, my my Juicimator is is basically like, which one of these have I ever seen a deck for? That's fair. And uh, I have seen a Nightfire Giant deck. It was bad. It didn't last long. Yeah, I can I can imagine that. Did you said that it, he he built it or your friend built it when it was? A new card. It wasn't like yeah. recently that they went back and revisited it. No, it, it just it, it just got printed and he got excited about it. Ah, uh, I can see that though. Like it's got stuff going for it. Like it's a zombie giant. You know, it'll pop people that, in the face. You know, five damage. It's got, but like, it's got cool art. Got great art. It's got repeatable uh, direct damage. But yeah, just not not what we're here it's, for. Not even like, like. And this is a good example too. It's not like we are biased or you know, all this recent power creep in the last few years has like blinded us. Cause like you just said, this card wasn't even very good for PDH 10 years ago when it was brand right. new. So, I mean, I think, I think another sort of element made him want to build this was that the, for when EDH started, the rules on color identity were so strict that Nightfire giant would not have been a legal commander because it's not within its own color identity. 
Huh. Okay. Like in the, in the original rules for EDH, uh, the the your your entire deck needed to be only your commander's casting cost. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. so Nightfire Giant would have been a black has a black red color identity, but as a as a commander, your entire deck needs to be mono black. So like it wasn't until la- a couple of years later that they changed that, and they were like, okay, your commander. Commander's color identity is whatever it is, and like that's yeah. what made like Thelon of Havenwood or whatever the the green card with the green black activation like that's what made that a legal commander. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Bosch as well, Bosch Iron Golem, like all these things became enabled when they changed that. And Nightfire Giant was one of the things that became legal, and I think that ruling was pretty recent, circa 2014. Which made yep. my friend really excited about this thing. Oh, which... that, okay, that plays into it too. That makes sense. Yeah, still not great, but yeah, uh... still not <laughs> still not great. Still not, not great. Not even close. A little, a little looking... more defensible, anyway. Yeah, looking through it, you know, through that lens, it makes quite a bit more sense. Yeah. Oh, at least it had a little bit of juice, a little more juice than Khans did. Khans of Tarkir did. Yeah. All right. It's got more juice than. Uh... Rivals of Ixalan. It's got definitely more juice than <laughs> that's not than very hypothetical. <laughs> that is a no juice bar. Yep. Uh, any final thoughts tonight, gentlemen? Before we uh, get all hyped up for the Chicago town. Uh, full disclosure: my final thought is that my my recording timer says three hours and thirty one minutes, and uh... <laughs> I'm right there with you. That's a good final thought. What do you got, Liam? And I'm tired. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Perfect. Let's go. Let's go out. <laughs> Let's get out of here. But we just got a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. If you need more Popper Commander talk or have any questions about the format, you can follow us on Instagram or X. Uh, we're just the PDH pod on those platforms. You can email us at the PDH pod at gmail.com, or you can head on over to the home base's website. That'll take you to the discord server. Uh, Liam and I are on Twitter at Popper command and Popper underscore B and Dave is literally everywhere else pdh is being talked about as the alcadron uh one final shout out or not one final shout out another shout out for the sanctuary open series march 16th 1 p.m eastern head to sanctuarypdh.com to check it out or just sanctuary pdh on twitter slash slash x all the information is there and then that's going to wrap up episode 88 of the pdh pod but we got to give a big thanks to mtg brad for letting us use their original music for the show and from everyone in here to everyone out there brew a deck uh, play yourself a ton of pdh this weekend and we'll see you in about a week peace cheers see ya that was a brilliant brilliant final thought that was funny that was good I brought proper text at the party. I brought proper text at the party.